Wow, hello. Welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. I like that. That was yeah. cool. Yeah, I was I was trying to do like a, a little bit of confidence, you know. We're recording at <laughs> night tonight, so I've had I've had like a whole like day to like prepare for this, and I feel like I may have fumbled <laughs> right at the end there, but not at all. Uh, you know what? This is gonna be a weird episode, so I'm 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 excited regardless. I love how we we truly have to point out when we record at night because it really is a huge difference. Totally different vibe every time. I think our show is low key because we we specifically record on Sunday. Morning mornings yeah the yeah. minute we don't do that it's not low-key anymore it may not even be about video games anymore it just becomes a high-key show about the sun <laughs> even stay, though it's at night stay tuned i got a lot of things to say about solar flares we love apollo we love music anyway we wanted to open this episode with kind of just a quick update on a bunch of stuff and a moose bush full disclosure usually it's like over the weekend where i have the most time to like play stuff specifically for the show yeah so we had to record earlier this week so initially we were like okay well how are we gonna handle that um it ended up working out we actually have way more to talk about than we even can so that's all good yeah but uh we we still wanted to sort of open with just like as you said a moose bouche is that the word and a moose bouche yeah yeah what does that mean again it's the appetizer before the appetizer oh shit that's yeah. amazing yeah that's like the reverse second breakfast i just watched lord of the rings recently the, and, <laughs> the yeah. reverse second breakfast <laughs> oh <laughs> It's nighttime, baby. Of all the things I've said, that's what makes you. I don't know. Face I don't know why that was the one. That really, that really worked for me. All right. Anyway, you have played a couple of things that I desperately want to hear more about. One, you spent some more time in Returnal. You've got a couple great videos recorded on our YouTube of you like doing more runs in that game. And I know you kind of have like I don't think anything you said last week you would like go back on, but I know you have like more thoughts on that. I stand by everything I said last week. I actually yeah. went back and listened to what I said last week to make sure I didn't. Like, like go heinously off the rails. Um, <laughs> I, I stand by pretty much everything I said last week. I will also say that right before we started recording, I checked my playtime and I sure have hit 20 hours of return ah! at this point, which is like way. Be- I There have to be like idle PS5 just like staying on in the background hours there, but maybe not. I'm not really sure. I've played a lot of this game. I've played it pretty much every day since we recorded last at least one or two runs, which as I mentioned last like an hour or more. Um, I've gotten much further than I was uh, when we last recorded as well. And I, I think I mentioned this in one of the videos that's on our YouTube, uh, which has now kind of become like a mini series, which I wasn't really expecting, but I've I've recorded and posted a bunch. I had a big like kind of mental shift with this game where I I stopped thinking of it as a rogue light in the vein of Rogue Legacy and Hades and um, I don't know, Enter the Gungeon and more like a rogue like like Spelunky in that the game just like wants you to be good at its systems and like really nothing else. Like it's not really giving you a whole lot of options from a like build diversity standpoint i've seen some people kind of push back against that complaint on the internet i still very much feel it i have not had a run where like i've picked up a bunch of items that made me feel like wow now i feel cool and overpowered and great and now i'm gonna go do this (laughs) like i've never beaten a boss because of like the items i picked up really is is how i feel so far i have heard that from some people i have not felt that yet uh so yeah it really just comes down to like 
like it sucks to say but like getting good you know which like i'm not gonna like dig up all the difficulty discourse and stuff like we don't need to like do that whole conversation again i do think that like it'd be cooler if this game was more accessible our friend uh dom nero actually just wrote a really good piece today asking if returnal even needs to be a roguelike which like i found myself like nodding along with as i was reading it because i kind of feel that because like the other half of the game is that it wants to be narrative uh and it just like kind of fails at that because you spend so much time not progressing so like I, I find that I, I'm still kind of mixed on it where like, yeah, I want to see the rest of the story like really bad because I'm like very intrigued by what I've been seeing so far. But I'm also loving the actual roguelike stuff uh, and I love the gameplay. So like if you had stripped all the narrative out and it was just this game, I would be like singing its praises from now until goatee season. At the time being, it just feels like it's in conflict with itself. But that said, I've played a shitload of it and I am still going to play a shitload of it and I like it a lot. I have lost uh, more than one run due to uh, a crash and uh, an update to the game, <laughs> which is fun that like the game could just update itself overnight and you uh, have to be following the Housemark Twitter account to know... <laughs> to like save your game or like end the run or something or else it yeah. just gets wiped. Uh, so that's not great. But um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. All that stuff will get fixed. That's kind of the thing is like not many people bought this game, I think, if I had to guess uh, at launch because it's very expensive and like the reviews have been kind of mixed and eventually it'll like be on sale or it'll get fixed and that's when people should pick it up and like we'll pick it up and have a good time with it. So I kind of feel like I'm weirdly like you know first steps on the moon kind of situation with this game yeah totally it's really interesting you, you brought up how like the game itself is really fun and the story is great but they're kind of at odds with each other yeah which is really fascinating how it's like that is such a big example of like how games really need to like use their form to aid the narrative i mean again not to constantly point to hades but i think hades is like they they use the roguelike to tell a story in a cyclical way yeah whereas this game seems like it's telling a story in kind of a straightforward like left to right way but it's like halted by the necessity of, of runs yes and no I, I think I think eventually um, from 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 what I've seen you know a lot of the narrative that I've picked up on so far um, isn't so much like telling a story directly but it's just kind of giving you more glimpses into the protagonist's life um, gotcha. you know before she landed on this planet and like what's going on with her like mentally and and just like as a person. Uh, and a lot of the stories being told via these like audio logs and picking up from other dead bodies that she's like, you know, just kind of left around from dying in her many, many attempts at like uh, progressing in this place. And those are really interesting and kind of like unhooked from time in a way. Yeah. Um, it really just is like the rate at which I'm finding those doesn't feel satisfying. Like, I, I want to I, I want to be finding that stuff more. And at the very least, um, yeah. thematically, it seems like the roguelike genre at least aids this idea of like multiple versions of herself and like the trial and error of that. So that that absolutely adds up completely. Yeah. 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 That's um, cool. I, I'm really yeah. excited to finally play it once I eventually get a PS5. Yeah, I'll be interested to see if you like it. I have a sneaking suspicion that you will if you activate the like Bloodborne part of your brain. I think you'll be like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I really am like digging this a lot. Yeah, I, I think I think I would enjoy it based on what I've seen. It looks it looks really cool, like the aesthetic and the vibe of it. Like, 
all that is working for me in a yeah. big way. I do. I do think there are like a couple like plateaus and humps you have to get over to like really reach the level that I'm at of enjoyment at this point. But yeah, I, I, I think I might have come off a little bit negative on last week's episode and I kind of stand by that negativity a little bit. But I, I do. I did want to come into this episode with kind of like a, a follow up. that's just like I really, really, really like it. Yeah, I don't think it was negativity as much as just like being critical of elements that like get in the way of the things you liked you know hey you know hey it's returnal baby (laughs) (laughs) hey it's returnal baby that's cool um (laughs) speaking of cool narratives uh uh, you guessed it i reached gold rank in uh league of legends wild rift uh, which i've still been playing incredible Thank you. I mean, it's it sounds way cooler than it is. What that means is basically like, congrats, you're in the like bottom 50 percent of players. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it, more importantly than that, I've just been still enjoying it a lot. And um, I brought I'm bringing it up again, not to really go too into it. But I did think that it's something that was kind of cool. I don't know if they added this recently or if I'm just noticing it now, but there are just some interesting like quality of life things that I think other online games could like utilize well. One of which is like if you're like AFK for more than like a minute, the game will kind of like check in with you and like ask, hey, what's up? And on top of that, if you don't respond to that, the other players on your team are given a vote of whether or not an AI can control your character, which sounds like kind of weird. But I think what really is great about that is like I'm not one who really cares about like winning or losing in an online game, but it is annoying when you're like getting ready to f- to do a match of Overwatch or League of Legends or whatever, and like you lose because someone just like left. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you're not gonna believe how apt this conversation is for the next thing I'm bringing. Right, up. right. I yeah, I imagine so. So um, I just thought that was like a really interesting like addition to have to a game like this, especially in their like mobile tablet version of the game and this sort of like further prove how seriously they're taking wild rift yeah they also just started a new event that is very silly it's like choose the big cat man or the big bug man and of course <laughs> i chose the big cat man is there a choice yeah keep it jellical i, cho- I made the jellical choice yeah. and uh what i like about this it's very synonymous with a lot of you know like season pass stuff in other online games but um what I really like is that it shares a lot of DNA with these Splatfests in Splatoon, where like at the end of this event, whichever team won will get like some you know little awards and stuff. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know, it, it's very simple, but I just really like stuff like that. It's just really fun. I I hate that I'm like as into this game as I am, <laughs> but they're doing a lot of stuff right with the game. So uh, I just thought that that AI thing and that event were would be fun to bring up in passing because I need more Splatoon like online games like i love splatoon 2 so much and i would probably want to play it more but i'm kind of just waiting for three like i'm in this sort of like purgatory like i feel like it's probably better like start fresh in three than like go back to two right now but either way it's been it's been a cool time and uh we'll revisit that ai concept i guess in your next part of this amuse bouche yeah you bet uh i've been playing (laughs) uh the new update for apex legends believe it or not season nine of Apex Legends, which is wild. I don't think I've played since three or four, probably. You and I, pl- <laughs> I'll never forget this. You and I, at the very, no, it was season, was it season one or two? Either way, it was very early on in our show, and it was right before Kingdom Hearts 3 was coming out. <laughs> 
Uh-huh. You and I played oh, yeah. Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2, respectively, to like prep for the inevitable Kingdom Hearts 3 bonus. And 3 came out and was terrible. <laughs> and we like tried to make an episode about it and then immediately got into Apex yeah, Legends. We, yeah, we just talked about Apex Legends. I remember this. It was now, like yeah. January 2019 and Apex Legends was like the new game. And it was so like even more than League of Legends Wild Rift, Apex Legends was like so not my thing, but I really liked it. Like you and I played it with some friends. It's a really great time. Really well done. I just also haven't like there was a jump off point in that game literally we're like if you didn't stick with it you were just you could not have fun anymore because everyone got too good yeah man yeah there, there's a point in in every online multiplayer game like that where eventually the skill ceiling like not even the skill ceiling but like the skill floor actually <laughs> yeah that's a great gets, that's a great word for it gets so high that like i as a regular person who has like a nine to five just like can't do it like i just right. can't invest the time to get good enough to do that thing unless it's the only game i play which again video game podcast that's not going to happen sorry apex legends like i i remember being really into titanfall 2 for a while uh and then eventually it got to the point where like the people playing looked a whole lot like the characters in attack on titan like zooming around a forest which like maybe not the best reference attack on titan got real bad (laughs) towards the end uh watch some youtube videos read some stuff about attack on titan because woof anyway uh it gets like really 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 wild in titanfall 2 these days uh just with people's like i guess just like full grasp of what's possible right mechanically from a movement perspective in that game like where when i go play that game i just feel like an idiot the whole time i just feel the, like the barrier of entry is that you have to be like neo from the matrix yes, to like, exactly. <laughs> like in your basic yeah. movements and yeah. apex legends kind of got to that point for me at a, eventually you know like at a certain point like i realized that i was losing every match of apex legends i played and like i stopped it wasn't even that i stopped having fun it was just like you and I started calling it a run around an island and pick things up simulator because like you and I would drop down on the island just wherever we would run around pick some stuff up and literally the first people we saw would kill us like every single time <laughs> and you and I committed to that bit for like a straight month <laughs> that yeah. was like all we did and like that was still fun but it wasn't playing the game you know at a certain point you have right. to move on when you realize you're not playing the game right it was basically uh, like a screensaver for us at a certain point while we caught up yes exactly it was really yeah. just us hanging out so this new update for apex legends uh comes with a new mode which is why i wanted to check it out it's called arenas or maybe just arena regardless arena singular or plural uh is the new mode in apex legend which is essentially three on three like deathmatch, like round like there's multiple rounds you go in uh you uh and two people each pick your legend uh and then you have like a couple seconds i would say like 20 or 30 seconds you look at this like big like store page where you get to spend some money on weapons um and then you buy some weapons and then you go out there and you have to fight and kill the other three people uh on the other team and whoever wins wins that round and it's like a you know best of three situation but you have to win by two rounds it's a whole it's a whole deal but anyway these rounds go really 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 quickly and i find that they have completely like shifted which of the characters are good i guess you know because like there are some characters that are really 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 great in battle royale mode when you're in like a huge 
open environment. Uh, you know, some characters like uh, uh, Loba, for example, is this one character who like has a black market that she could just like drop down anywhere and anyone can like reach in and grab like a high, uh, like just like a really good item, essentially like a purple or an orange item, you know, like the top tier items essentially which is like obviously really great for battle royale because like the second you get that and you get to drop it down like you're immediately like way over leveled quote unquote uh, in regard you know compared to everybody else on the island in arenas mode like not as you know not as useful uh definitely useful still she she has some other great abilities but like are you gonna spend the money required to unlock her ultimate ability so you can use that like maybe not the best choice if you can spend that money elsewhere uh which is kind of interesting so essentially what happens is you each spawn on one side of the map you you know run towards the middle but on the outside edges are like containers with more money in them that you then get to carry over into next round so you can just like focus on getting money you can focus on just like killing the other team as quickly as possible there's a lot of strategy here and it feels like the closest thing to like valorant uh that exists on console right now and like valorant is definitely uh a game that i've been like curious about checking out but just like can't because it's not available for any of the things that i play on um so it just feels like a whole like game that is like you know going by and like growing this huge audience like without uh me being able to check it out even which always like bums me out so weirdly enough apex arena is like is getting me closer to that and i i really understand why this is cool and good you know it kind of has like counter-strike dna kind of has overwatch dna and and it's like significantly changed the game up in a way that like makes me want to continue engaging with it uh i'm still very bad but i'm having fun (laughs) which is nice because like it's been a long time since i had this much fun playing apex legends i will also say that they added a new character uh her name is valkyrie she is like a direct descendant of one of the characters in titanfall 2 which is fun um oh awesome she essentially just like has a bunch of titan stuff attached to her so she can like fly around she has like you know like a big like missile barrage kind of thing just like kind of operates a lot like a titan but is a person and she rules i mean she is just like i'm playing farah from overwatch again right you know? and it like, sounds like farah yeah farah yeah, was the only character i played in overwatch so like i'm right at home in apex legends again playing as valkyrie <laughs> arenas is really cool i i like it a whole lot um and i'm probably gonna play a bunch more of it what i have found interesting though is that i like i went online to see you know how other people who play apex legends a lot have been responding to it and it doesn't seem like the apex community has like really I don't know, like dug into it yet. Like when you go on to Twitch and you look at Apex Legends, everyone is still playing Battle Royale, like Mm. everyone. It took me a long time to find somebody who is streaming arenas just because I was like curious what like high level play in arenas looked like and what choices they were making, like what weapons they were buying and what rounds and what characters they were playing as, like who's good, who's not. I was just like really curious not not for me to get better, but just like curious to see like how they were thinking about it and like could not find anyone, uh, which is very interesting. So I, I don't know if it's like working for people or not, but I've been having a really good time with it personally. Yeah, I mean, I think when I think about the strength of Apex Legends, it really is in the gunplay and the characters. And like, yeah, that doesn't have to be in a battle royale. So I think it really shows the yeah. strength of like the core design. Because I just I think that's the thing. Like I, I can see why Fortnite is in or was or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> 
if it's still popular or not, but I can see why it was a big deal for a long time. And that genre was just sort of like a huge zeitgeist for a while. And Apex, I remember early in the show, you kept being like, okay, Fortnite is this kind of, you know, global phenomenon, but when, when is the battle royale going to come out that is made by the developers who like know how to make a good shooter? Yeah. Yeah. And that's pretty much what Apex is. I mean, I think uh, you and I did a bonus about Titanfall 2 back like two years ago, maybe one year ago. I don't know. Time it's been a while. Yeah, I have no illusion. idea. But it's, it's the same team who makes Apex Legends. And like, I'm not someone who... I don't normally go for shooters. It's like probably my least favorite genre, to be honest. But yeah. like Titanfall 2 is so good that even I liked it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like easily the best first person shooter, I, I would yeah. say. And Apex has a lot of what made Titanfall too good in the sense of like this, the sense of movement and just the feel of the game is so great, which is why I think you and I didn't mind just losing for an hour over or two over every again. night because yeah. <laughs> it was just fun to be there. But I do think it got to you after a while because I think another thing about the Battle Royale mode is like it takes so long. There's so much setup. Absolutely. And it's nice just to have at least the option of like, let's get in a few quick rounds. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of proves to me that they could probably play around even more with this group of characters in this game it doesn't have to be specifically one genre which is really interesting yeah yeah i i think you're absolutely right i i'd be curious to see if they roll out anything adjacent to arenas like another mode like that but yeah. for now i mean arenas is really cool um i like it a bunch i mean they've been having a bunch of like server issues and stuff so i've been able to play like as much as i wanted uh like launch day was pretty much like not happening but you know over the past couple of days I've, I've i've hopped in and had a really good time with it uh and i'll probably play it a little bit more if i had to guess um again because like one, one of the big reasons is just like i like valkyrie so much like i i never really locked into any of the characters that first time that we played like yeah just like couldn't really find one that i was like super super into playing as and valkyrie was just so immediately like oh my god my whole skill set for Farah just carries over here and that is fun that's really fun <laughs> i just got a flashback of when we played and i was gibraltar it was like you know three teams left the ring was closed in and we were hiding in a cabin and I went, our little world is perfect. <laughs> I, threw, I threw the dome that like visibly broadcasted where we were. Yeah. <laughs> you just went, oh, Stephen. <laughs> that might have been the last time we played. That might have been the last time I played. Our little world is perfect, which just sums it up. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I will definitely check it out. I mean, it's a free game. I'm, I might actually download it on my Series S. Yeah, you know, it has a uh, crossplay now, which is cool with like everything. So uh, I was playing with our friend Pablo. He was playing on PC. Uh, and then he was like, I actually want to play on a console and then switch over to his Xbox. And we played together on Xbox, but I was playing on PS5. So that's cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. It doesn't carry over your progress, though. That's like the one big bummer. So like you can't oh. like bring all the things you unlocked. But I don't know. Did you spend a bunch of money on that game? Did you like buy a bunch of characters? No man that's the thing i kept like weirdly like wanting to it was like is there early on the battle pass was like really whack like there was nothing yes. good yeah. in it. it was like do you want cargo short camo for your gun like, for your no. caustic yeah <laughs> yeah do you want cargo shorts caustic no no thank you <laughs> But yeah, I'm excited to check it out. It sounds fun. There are a ton of characters now, too. They, they've released some. Man. Yeah, I think the last time we played, uh, they just added Winston, who's like the... Watson. Oh, Watson. Yeah. Watson. Winston is uh, from Overwatch. Overwatch. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. The world needs heroes. 
Okay, you want to move on? <laughs> uh, yeah, do you have anything else in this amuse-bouche to bring up? Uh, not really. I, I will say I think just like stuff on the horizon. Um, I'm like slowly working through near replicant so like one at some point this year we'll do like a spoiler episode i think we're both kind of slowly going through it i weirdly expected that to be like my weekend binge like i somehow put in 30 hours in one day again but like it's going much more slowly for a variety of reasons yeah but i i am excited to get further into that village uh resident evil village came out today at least the day of recording yeah and i'm really excited to play that i'm gonna save that for halloween though and what else oh yeah and then the mass effect remasters come out soon which is gonna be a lot for me so yeah some cool stuff on the horizon gonna be wild yeah yeah near near replicants is a kind of interesting one i also kind of expected to binge it and uh, i'm definitely taking my time with it which has been nice but i mean to be fair you and i are very busy with like stuff for the show which has been yeah. interesting um yeah because like, been busy we're, we're planning for this bonus and next month's bonus and oh my God. other stuff yeah. i mean there's like a lot going on um <laughs> so we're playing a lot of things uh, i i will give a quick shout out to something i'm playing because like this is now the second week in a row that i've been playing it uh and i haven't brought it up which means like i might never bring it up so i just want to say it out loud i just want to speak it out loud uh but there was that update for monster hunter rise uh and they had like a whole video just kind of like showing off like all the new stuff that's in that monster hunter rise update and what's coming in the next monster hunter rise update but in that same stream they also showed off monster hunter stories 2 which is coming to the switch this year and I like was just smitten by it. I just like really, really loved it. So I picked up the first one on iOS. Uh, it's like five bucks for iPhone and Android, I think right now. Uh, so I picked it up and like, man, that game is really good. I I would like to talk about it more eventually. Um, probably won't today. But um, yeah, if you're interested in hearing about Monster Hunter stories, I guess let me know. Because like I'm playing a lot, like a lot more than I thought I was going to. Oh, uh, yeah. It's really cool. I think you would like it a lot, too. But uh, I think so, too. I mean, I'm definitely going to pick up the second one. So maybe when that comes out, we can like talk about both. You mm-hmm. know, that'll be like a fun segment for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Wild. Anyway, that's it for now. Yeah, let's take a break. Uh, that was a good amuse-bouche. Let's uh, take a break, move on to the appetizer. Oh, I'm so full, but I suppose I could eat more. <laughs> what about second breakfast? Um, I hadn't seen Fellowship of the Ring in like literally 11 years, maybe more. Oh, holy shit. That's a long yeah. time. I didn't. What like, did you think? I loved it. I, it's incredible. So, it's an incredible movie. Real quick, as uh, another, just a little like uh, a, a moose bouche mint, I guess. Lord of the Rings, like I watched like when they came out. So I guess the first one I was like nine, and then like uh, saw the other two. So like I remember the other two more. But like as a kid, they just sort of washed over me. Like I enjoy them, but I didn't really retain much. Yeah. And for whatever reason this year, I've like stumbled across clips and I just like, cr- like ball whenever like I like will watch a clip from Lord of the Rings and just like start crying. But the, specifically Boromir's death and uh, spoilers and uh, <laughs> Sam's monologue at the end of, of Two Towers. That oh, monologue man, yeah. is like really great. Really that, good. I just love uh, bittersweet endings and like the middle installment ending the way that does is so good. But yeah, Fellowship is a lot of fun. I uh, I did not remember how cool Edgy Aragorn. Mm-hmm. Strider. Strider. Wonderful. I also didn't realize they like thought Gandalf died. I completely did not remember that, which is like a huge beat in the story. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, it was a lot of fun. I think it has like, uh, I watched the extended version and like could literally not tell what was added because it just all felt good. 
good. Mm. Um, which like I used to think they like all felt kind of bloated, but like I don't feel that way now for whatever reason. Yeah, I watched the extended versions uh, in theaters. They did like a marathon at AMC once, so I, I went and watched that with a bunch of my friends, which was really fun. Uh, we like spent literally the whole day in the theater, which is cool. That was like 2012, somewhere in that vicinity. And then a couple years ago, like legitimately the most hungover I've ever been in my whole life. I woke up and I like <laughs> I woke up and I tried to edit a podcast and the and the just seeing waveforms moving in my podcast editor was making me like seasick. So I was like, okay, let me turn on the TV and see what's on the TV. And it was like literally the first 15 seconds of Fellowship of the Rings extended edition. And they were doing a marathon all day. And I just sat there and I watched all three. That was like maybe a year or two ago. And like, man, what a great experience. I, I love revisiting those movies. I really yeah. do. They're they're it's like so- miracles. They're miracles that they exist and that they're that good and that they've aged as well as they have totally i'll end this section it's just so funny because like i feel like i accidentally retained my take as like a nine-year-old about fellowship as a 31 year old because i was like <laughs> why do people care about boromir he's like another guy with a beard and now i'm like he represents aragorn's conflicted views on his own humanity and he chooses to redeem himself and and embrace his humanity even though he fell for temptation so it's uh, it's good to be here. I'm into it. Who wants to talk about fellowship in 2021? Well, that's a good me. second to Moose Boosh. Yeah, okay, let's and move on. And a Touche. No, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> boop, boop, boop. Steven. Hello. We're here talking about, you know, the game everybody's talking about. Yeah. Dragon Quest Builders 2. New to Game Pass. It is like there has been like a formal announcement for it. That's if true. you have yeah. Game Pass, there's a big screen that says Dragon Quest Builders 2 is now here, which is very exciting. You and I have both played a lot of it. And it's a game that I knew about for a long time. I've always wanted to play it, but like wasn't really in a huge rush. It was really the perfect candidate for Game Pass because like this is probably not a game I would have purchased uh, without like playing a little bit of it first. And now I'm like 10 hours in by accident and having a great time yeah i'll say two things right right at the top number one there is a demo for this game uh, oh fun that is about 10 hours long also it is available on the nintendo switch as well uh which i feel like is probably a really great platform to play it on i don't know anything about how it performs on there uh but the more i play of this on xbox the more i'm like man if only I had this on my Switch. Is it a similar thing with the Dragon Quest Eleven demo where like the save progress carries yes. over if you buy it? That's S- that every game should do that. It's it's the best way totally to do a agree. demo. Yeah. Yeah. But basically Dragon Quest Builders 2 is if you were to see like an advertisement for it, it kind of looks like Dragon Quest Minecraft. Yeah. But it's way more than that. Yeah. That's definitely the easiest way to like pitch it to people. And like that yes. might even be enough for people to say yes yeah, to sure. it. But if if you hear that and you're like, definitely not for me, buckle your seatbelt. It still Stay tuned. might be for you. Yes. Yeah. There's so much video game here. I'm, I, I like Minecraft fine, but it's never really gotten its hooks in me. Uh, mercifully, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I do like the kind of like coziness of like a crafting quasi survival game. Mm-hmm. So Dragon Quest Builders 2 is... First of all, I got to point out, like, this game could literally just be like, oh, you're in a village in Dragon Quest and you got to maintain and build things like that could be the story. Instead, they've like built a quasi religion about builders and like what builders represent, you know, in creation versus destruction. Just wild. Like, (laughs) it's just such a great like I, 
I am so impressed that they've chosen to frame this game <laughs> in this way. Yeah, the game the game opens with you imprisoned on a ship and a and a like the skeleton captain of the ship, which like it, it's worth mentioning. The ship is entirely like run by like classic Dragon Quest monsters, uh, yeah. which is fun. So the the captain of the ship is essentially like, well, y- we've imprisoned you because you're a builder, and uh, as we all know, obviously, building things, creating things is a is a cardinal sin, uh, and it's like against the law in our society uh so we're gonna like kill you essentially but you know in the meantime we actually need you to fix some things on the ship uh and you have to like run around you have to like it's essentially the tutorial they just like teach you how to like put blocks down and and you know uh break things apart and build things into other things and whatever but over the course of like that experience you kind of learn a little bit about this like weird cult religion thing and from what i have gathered so far it appears that this is like maybe an offshoot and or a sequel i don't know which specifically it might it might be like a diversion it might be like a different timeline from dragon quest 2 i believe yeah yeah, my read on it where i'm at currently is that it's an alternate timeline where uh the hero lost in dragon quest 2 and the villain won and and the like god of destruction essentially like rules the world because everyone you meet is essentially just like really really afraid of the idea of creating things to the point where like when you meet people and you tell them that you're a builder they're like shh you shouldn't say that you shouldn't say that out loud yeah. like don't tell anybody that you're a builder you shouldn't be allowed to create things and they don't even trust the idea of building either I- <laughs> It's so abstract. And what's even more ironic is that the first character you meet, once you, like, eventually in that tutorial ship, it, like, crashes and you end up, like, on a shore. And you meet, like, a young kid named Malroth, who is the bad guy of Dragon Quest Two. Like, you meet, like, yeah. like, a reborn version of the villain who's, like still kind of like mean but in like a vegeta way where like he he's your buddy and i just again adding to your like you know wondering this is like an alternate reality or an offshoot where it's like what would happen if the hero and the bad guy like became friends through like helping out each other yeah what's really nice is that like so there's this sort of weird myth going on which sounds like that could be confusing but what what ends up happening and what ends up being the kind of core of the game is like the more people you meet and the more you help them out, the more you inspire them to also help other people. Yes. Uh, even to the point where Malroth, the god of destruction who you befriend, like actually does want to build stuff too, but he can't, which is kind of sad because like what I'm guessing is that he can't because he's the god of destruction, like whatever he tries to put together explodes. Yes. But but he's like he's inspired to build things when 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 you continue to build things and like continue to progress throughout the game. He continues to have these moments where he's like, OK, I've watched you do this enough. I've watched everybody in the town do this enough. Like I can definitely do this. I'm going to make something. And then he'll like get over to the workbench and like it just kind of poofs into smoke every time he tries to do it. Right. So I'll say this right off the bat. And you kind of warned me for this. The game has a very like slow and bad start. Uh, it yeah. is like straight up not fun for maybe an hour. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) it's it's really rough. You you told that to me in a way that like I trusted that it would get better after, and it it definitely does. And honestly, like it does. Like the boat is fine. It's like kind of funny because there's skeletons running the whole thing, but it it definitely goes on a little bit too long. And then you get to the shore, and you're like, okay, this is the game. But then there's like another tutorial after that. Yeah, and it's like 
if they just did the beach, I don't think I would have minded because like the beach is like a little bit closer to how the core game feels. But like having both the ship and the beach sections like really makes you like start to question like, okay, but what is the actual game? Is it just like doing errands? Like, do I even do I ever like if you don't know what the game is, you may wonder if you ever get creative control based on how the game opens. Right. Yeah. The first like hour and a half to two hours essentially just feels literally like you're in the world of Minecraft, but you're not allowed to build anything, which is right. like the exact yeah. antithesis of what the game is supposed to be. It's as if Steve was like, make me a bed. And you had to like spend an hour like helping Steve out. And like, I don't want to help Steve. <laughs> Yeah. What I did enjoy, I did enjoy the dialogue between, I mean, you're a silent protagonist, but I enjoyed Malroth's like silliness of, you know, like he's like, oh, you're my buddy. We found this island. Let's name it Malroth's Empire of Evisceration. And like, <laughs> you could tell he's like kind of evil already, but you're like making him a better person. Yeah. We, we actually haven't even mentioned this. He, he like has amnesia. He doesn't like know entirely who he is. He doesn't right. know that he's the god of destruction, really, which is fun because like he's gone down a completely different path. I also do want to mention that my tutorial experience was made way worse by the fact that my game glitched and there was no music in it throughout the entirety <laughs> of the tutorial uh so i was just like yeah. real confused i was like th- this is a shocking choice for there to be no music in this game whatsoever see that helped me because the music that plays on the shore is like from other dragon quest games so as a fan in this series it's like a lot of nostalgia of yeah like, totally i mean even though like i got into it last year it's still nostalgic, which <laughs> yeah. again shows I the power of the series. That, yeah. And all, what's also fun is like the mini map in the top right, like looks like kind of like an eight bit Dragon Quest world map, which yeah. is really fun. Awesome. So there's a lot of like uh, stuff for fans, but basically, once you get through the tutorial, a spirit of the island gives the island to the builder, and he's like, "This place is yours." make it into whatever you want. But everyone there is like, we need help because like right now we just can like eat clams and like build houses out of like mud. Like we need something else. Yeah, there's like no vegetation. All the yeah. all the dirt and stuff is like tainted in some way, shape or form. Like you need to find a farmer is, is the is the quest that you're given. You need to find a farmer to bring back to the island who can like teach you how to make use of, of the land and like actually turn it into something useful. So yeah, you, you told me like once you get to the boat, that's where the game kind of begins and and gets fun essentially and i totally agree like if you're playing this and you're like i don't know like just wait until you get on a boat um the boat takes to the first area i love the map like the the look of this game is really beautiful you sail to the first island looking for a farmer and the whole place is like all the dirt is tainted and slimy and you get to this place and there's like three or four what it shares most with minecraft is is just the fact that like squares build up everything so there are like three to four squares of like good soil and you like learn how to plant seeds and everything. But what kind of happens over that tutorial is like once you're able to like invest and, and the game gives you control on like creating like a sustainable farm for this group of people, everyone in the village, all like the AI characters have like their own passions and projects they will just do on their own. So it's kind of as if in if Animal Crossing, if there was a villager that was really into fishing and they just like fished all day and you can like help them do that more by like making accommodations for them. So what immediately happens is like you are incentivized to build a like self-sustaining thing. It's not just like I made a castle in Minecraft because it looks cool. It's like if I make a house bigger, the people will literally be happier for it. And like I'll get like a tangible reward because they like draw parts when they're happy and that 
allows you to upgrade your base level and build more stuff. So it's hard to explain, but the game is just like so well designed. You're basically making like weirdly and bear with me, almost like Loop Hero, where you're like putting pieces in place that like kind of run on their own. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're kind of making like a little engine when you build things. And like, it's so great to see like I, I build this big barn house with a bunch of beds, a table, four stools and like dinner plates and like everyone waking up in the morning and eating there. And like, it's just so fulfilling to see that. I didn't realize this. There's a great Tim Rogers video that you sent me about this game. He's a huge Dragon Quest fan. And he said that if you put like there's a community chest where you can just put items and the villagers will like. You know, like I, I just have like 90 cabbages in there so they can at least eat cabbage if there's nothing else. <laughs> but if you put wheat in there and there are fireplaces nearby, they'll all bake bread just like on their own. So yeah. like the amount of like AI potential here is like really wild and cool. Like once you get creative control, once you like see what the loop of the game is, it's really hard to stop playing. Yeah, I I have uh I've played way more of this game in a very short time than I was expecting. Like I didn't even think I was going to be able to play enough of it to bring it to this episode and yet here we are talking about it. I am very very surprised, I guess, that it is as like fulfilling of an experience as as it is because like when i first heard about it um shout out to my friend maya who tried to convince me to play this game like forever like years ago when it came out uh she was like yeah yeah, she was like you got to get this game it's really great it's all i'm doing uh and i was like "Ah, i don't really like dragon quest and i don't really play minecraft anymore it's like i'm not gonna do it which like uh silly brendan you idiot you should have known better the thing about it was just like, oh, okay, so this is just Minecraft with more structure. This is just like Minecraft, but like you're telling me what to build, which seemed like not really the most compelling thing. I think the big like aha moment for me probably is just the fact that I've played as much Dragon Quest as I have now. And like the vibe of those games in particular, the vibe of Dragon Quest, like as a franchise is so prevalent here that like it really just feels like you're settling into that like bedtime story kind of vibe. But then they hit you with like the Factorio elements, the Animal Crossing elements, like the Minecraft, if you want to be creative and do stuff yourself. But on top of that, it's just this like solid layer of Dragon Quest where people are just asking you to go like literally go do quests, like go out and do things like Go take your sword, take your uh, god of destruction with you, maybe a dog if you found one at that point, and go out into the into the swamps and find some seeds to bring back to this village so you can plant a new kind of thing. You know, go like help out this like one creature that lives in this one corner of the island and like maybe they'll come back and help you out and make your community better. Um, and that's kind of the the like heart and soul of the game for me, I think, is just watching this community kind of change and become better. Uh, you know, all of these people one after the other, you meet them and they're like terrified of the fact that you're a builder, that you're building things at all um, in this world where like that's, you know, outlawed, that's a sin. Uh, and then like watching them come around the other end and realize that like, okay, maybe creating things is actually pretty tight. It's yeah, great. Even the evil priest that has a bat on his cloak, like ends up being into building at a certain point. Yeah. Like, like spoiler, I guess, but it's like really funny to see that. Cause I was worried you would have to like fight him or something, but he ends up being like, no, this is great. Like seeing, what you've actually done like has completely changed how I think about this. Yeah, because because for a while it's like pretty clear that he joins the village just so you can build something cool enough for him to destroy. It seems to be the vibe like he just like yeah. really wants you to build up the village just so he can like have something fun to like break apart because the, the other implication here 
is that uh, because because the villain won technically and like destruction is like the law of the land, there's actually nothing really left to destroy anymore. Uh, right. So now, weirdly enough, like the idea that the the like priest of this destruction cult is like, I need you to build something just so I can have something to destroy because I haven't felt that in a while. It's really interesting. But then there's also this like upper level. I can't believe we're talking about the themes of Dragon Quest Builders <laughs> 2 story. But anyway, but it's there. There's this upper level as well where I'm starting to question like maybe some of these people who are like so hell-bent on destruction have realized that because there's nothing else to destroy the only thing that's left is the rule that says you can't destroy things so in this weird way it's become this like cyclical thing where like you need to destroy that rule to be able to build things again so you can destroy things again fascinating but anyway the point being like this is just a ridiculously like cozy video game you and i are both still on the first island there are i think six total islands and like from what i've heard of people who've played this game a bunch and there's uh, some people in the discord i think playing it right now as well because it's on game pass the first island can take like tens of hours if you wanted to like you could just not like they they give you the ability to go to a second island and you could just hang out on the first one and just like continue making that community better and better and better and better for eons if you want to um and i'll be really interested to see if i take them up on that offer or not but i do like the idea of building up to a certain point and then stopping and starting again with like a new tool set it kind of weirdly feels like roller coaster tycoon in that way where like you've built up that park and like accomplished the thing and like you could hang out in that park and continue working on it if you want to or you could leave and move on to the next one i love that i really love that but in a weird way too even though the tutorial this game is kind of a bit of a miss like weirdly they are still teaching you things but in a much more like subtle way where like the first island is all about farming and like you know how you farm and how you feed people and how you can sustain the land you befriend a worm who like makes the soil good again and like if you put a scarecrow down he like kind of swarms around turns into farmland yeah yeah and uh all that's really great and basically each island i imagine will teach you something new and then you can bring all those people back to the original island where you like make it your own so like you have kind of more mission-based gameplay on all these islands and then you can kind of go back to the main one and, and really utilize that to your heart's content which is like a really cool way to do it and i mean going back to the animal crossing comparisons the the characters you recruit for your village are so fun so you have the god destruction who's like already you know gold vegeta and what's great about him is like when you fight enemies with him like out in the wild it's the combat's pretty simple it's nothing to write home about but like it's it's serviceable you know it, it works in the context of the of the game you just sort of whack things in real time and uh, but you do level up and whenever you level up you learn a new like weapon recipe to make for the god of destruction yeah and he's always like like i made him an axe and it's there's some weapons only he can wield because you can give other villagers swords and stuff but like only he can get like the club or the axe and stuff. And he's like, oh, cool. This axe is great, but I'm going to hang on to that club because that was the first thing you made for me. And it's kind of sentimental. I'm like, the game is like, so again, like this should not have moments like that, but it does. <laughs> yeah. Another fun character is someone you meet who like going back to destruction, being the law of the land is like constantly like, forgive me god of destruction i want to farm i love it i'm sorry i'm a sinner (laughs) and like you know his whole thing is like he is like trying to repent for doing good basically my favorite character is Brittany, who literally like i I texted you i wasn't ready for a dragon quest character to say yolo like she's just (laughs) she's written in a way where she's just like she just says like internet slang like yeah or like modern day vernacular at least in the u.s she'll be like this is legit like (laughs) it's just it's just it's really usually hate that i usually hate that in games i hate when games like because you know the minute 
a game will like recite stuff like that or any any piece of media really whenever a piece of media tries to be current it like immediately feels aged because it's trying so hard yeah but in this case it's just so britney's personality to like be the person in a dragon quest game to say yolo that like i am obsessed with her it's very silly it's just, it's just so like i i think the the classic example is um i think it's life is strange when somebody says go fuck yourselfie like yeah right like, <laughs> like one of the like all-time like worst lines for some reason having a character say things like that in dragon quest like is just such i don't i don't even know it's it's just like I, I can't I can't even find the words. Everyone to else it. is speaking like Dickensian and Cockney and yes. someone else says YOLO and it's like you're getting hit by like a gust of wind from another dimension. But like in a it 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 only works in Dragon Quest Builders 2 somehow. Yeah. I've seen footage of this game and like what you can build and like eventually you're building like Dragon Quest palaces and like mine carts and stuff and like Yeah. I, I'm still like overcome with options for just like my shitty farm where people eat cabbages and like go to the bathroom. My farm looks fucking terrible. I just realized I could put roofs on on buildings. I didn't even realize because when they first teach you that like how to build a room, it's like okay, so uh, the walls have to be two blocks high and it has to have a door, and that's all you need for for a room. And my un- my implication there, or like my understanding there, was that there was like an implied roof. Like if you built a room and then like that's actually what I thought too. Yeah. And it was like oh yeah, you built a small room or like a medium sized room that like oh yeah there's probably a roof there but there's not there's not a roof there and when it rains it just rains on the people while they sleep and that made me very sad so I just put a roof on top of a building recently and realized that you could do that the other realization I had was that you can play the game in first person like it's Minecraft and man is it weird playing this game in first person. I only do that every now and then it's hard to like place blocks exactly where I want to and it's a little bit easier in first person. Totally yeah. So if I have like a specific block I want to do I'll do that but yeah my farm's pretty cool it's a little small and I like gated it heavily to prevent monsters from coming in. Mm. But I have like some fun ladders and like cool torches and you know, some nice soil. That's great. Mine's very utilitarian. Mine is like, I'm just trying to play the video game. I've, I've not been creative at all with it. Mine's very like uh, outdoor mall Panera bread vibes. There's like a table <laughs> by a tree and oh, a I big worm. That. that sounds yeah. great. It's good. Um, it's a I good think time. The game also does have multiplayer at a certain point, but you have to unlock it. It's <sighs> like it's like gated behind story progression, which I think is hilarious. But uh, I, I'm excited to find out what's going on there, so I can maybe come visit your farm or something. Oh my god, I would love that. But yeah, it's you. You messaged me like you're surprised that this game isn't a bigger deal, and that's kind of how I feel about it. Where it's like I would probably blame that on just like weird distribution. Where like again, Dragon Quest isn't quite as big in the West, so like the name probably doesn't have the same draw it would elsewhere. It came out in 2018 and then like now is on Game Pass. And I, I hope that it being on Game Pass kind of gives it the attention it deserves. It's really, really good. Yeah, that's kind of the thing. The more I think about it, the more I'm like, I, I wonder if it being Dragon Quest actually is like like hindered its ability to succeed in the West, at least. Like, I don't I don't know how it performed elsewhere in the world, but uh, I didn't hear a whole lot about it uh, when it first came out, except for my friend Maya. So like. Very, very curious to see if if Game Pass uh, helps lift it up and if it like yeah. leads us to a potential Dragon Quest Builders three because I would like that a lot. Yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, I, I imagine it did well enough. I mean, it got a, it got a sequel initially, so I, I would hope they would keep doing it. Yeah. And you know, I think like if there's enough interest to like put it on Game Pass and be like, this is the featured game. Maybe I'm seeing that because it's like you know my data on Xbox. They're like, you like this, right? Uh huh. But either way, I I am like 
I'm happy games like this are being put on Game Pass, and I'm happy to see like what other spinoffs Dragon Quest can do because like a point uh, in the Tim Rogers video is like Dragon Quest not only has a lot of great games in the core series, but there are good spinoffs as well. I played that Game Boy game that was like the Pokemon esque game, and it was like unreal. It was so good. Yeah. So I would love to see like what other things they can do in this world. You know, because it seems like, like you said, the, the formula is like, yes, Dragon Quest is a turn-based RPG with like a fantasy adventure story. But why you're there is like just the vibe of the setting. So if you can apply that to other genres of games, like you could really explore what Dragon Quest can mean. Yeah. Which is interesting. Totally. Yeah, I'm very, very, very into that idea. Yeah. And and I think I said it last week or maybe two weeks ago, but I, I said expect to see more Dragon Quest on Game Pass. And here we are. It's, it's already happening. Here we are. It's already happening. Yeah, a big recommendation for Dragon Quest Builders 2. I think it's a pretty easy sell. Because I think this is the kind of like this genre of game, I think, tends to have a pretty wide appeal. And uh, it's tutorialized in a way that is, while a little bit rough in the beginning, like you'll have the things you need to succeed at the game. Yeah, I do think the big thing I, I actually I meant to mention this earlier and I didn't. One of the big things for me is that like if you if you played Minecraft or like thought that you wouldn't like Minecraft, like this game is on a, is a completely different beast. Um, yeah, I, I feel like if if the idea of playing Minecraft and like not knowing what to build or like thinking you're not creative or whatever, like, you know, all the all the many reasons to not play Minecraft, like some of which are valid, obviously a lot of them don't apply to this game because it is much more like linear. Like, yes, there is an element of creativity at play here if you want there to be. But generally, the game is just pointing you in a direction and asking you to do specific things, yeah. uh, which is cool. My elevator pitch is that it's Terrytown the game. So if you liked the Terrytown quest in Breath of the Wild, it's just that as a game, basically. Yeah, totally. But six times in a row. Yeah. <laughs> six Terrytowns. <laughs> uh, cool. You want to move on? Yeah, I'm excited and nervous to move on. Let's do it. Let's do it. Goodbye. Goodbye. Steven. Wow. Hey. Boy, howdy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, like, we were recording this episode two days earlier than we usually do. We usually record on Sunday mornings. We're recording on Friday night instead, which means, as you mentioned earlier, we had less time to play games in anticipation of the episode. Uh, so I thought, hey, let me uh, just yeah, send out a call on Twitter and in our Discord for questions. You know, just see if we can, like, maybe pad the episode out a little bit. You know, just in case we don't have enough to talk about for, like, a full episode. And as you can tell by the fact that we crunched three games into an amuse-bouche in our first segment, uh, we got way more questions than we had ever anticipated, I think. Uh, and yeah. I think we're going to answer just, like, a whole chunk of them uh not since the breath of the wild episode have we got this many questions it's been a long time since we've yeah. gotten this many yeah it's yeah. it's worth mentioning uh that we opened it up to like the about video games or not um so this is going to be like a real like a buffet just to keep the, the food <laughs> the food thing going for the whole this episode. is a buffet and all you can eat buffet i will say too i i appreciate everyone who threw questions at us we both wrote down a bunch um i can't promise we definitely are not going to get to all of them. And I assume that was known, but just to set expectations, we are not going to do all of them, but we're going to do as many as we can. And I just want to thank you all for your enthusiasm. Rule off the top. Yeah. Just extremely rules. I, th yeah. my, honestly, I've said this on the show, like 
earlier on in the show and you know i'll say it again now but like i love answering questions on the show it's like it's, it's like literally one of my favorite things to do uh, in any episode of our podcast so the more questions the better uh it's worth i'll say it again again the the ask for questions always open always feel free to send in questions whether it be on twitter or in discord or on instagram or if you want to email us all the all the ways that you can send in questions are available at into the cast online would love to have more questions on the show but uh for now yeah, we totally. have more than we can even deal with so we uh, we probably could have yeah. just done the whole episode as questions but what fun would that be you need an amuse bouche before an appetizer you need an amuse bouche you need the appetizer of dragon quest builders too and here's your main course baby let's do it we're at the stage of the buffet where your eyes are bigger than your stomach so we're walking back with like crab legs and like eight pieces of bread and yeah. we're gonna have a great time i'm glad uh, i've downed a whole bottle of sake already uh, yeah I'm, I'm four beers in man yeah Okay, great. So we're we're in the we're in the right headspace for this. <laughs> okay, so I think we're gonna go back and forth. Basically, we might sure. have some overlap. I don't know which ones you chose, but I'm gonna kick it off simple. Okay. Uh, Benji in Discord, thank you for asking this question. asks Go to snack, morning and evening beverage of choice. Morning beverage of choice depends on the season. I've got really into French press during quarantine uh, for for, uh, you know, the winter months, you know, for the colder months. Um, I the just the like ritual of like waking up early and like the whole deal. Like I really got into that. But now it's getting a little bit warmer and I'm going to be back to cold brew. Uh, Cold brew is like very much my jam. Uh, Like uh, weirdly a similar ritual, you know, like, you know, the evening before or the morning before, you know, like setting up the whole cold brew thing so it like sits in the fridge for 24 hours and whatever i find it like a bummer to clean uh so that that's like the bummer part of the ritual but uh outside of that cold brew great really good um so that that's morning evening kind of depends uh i'm a big wine drinker i drink a lot of wine i I like ending my nights with wine generally i I have like a bunch of bottles that i just have hanging out at all times uh usually when we're recording i'm drinking sake so like right now it's a sake night but if i'm out and i'm at a bar my move always old-fashioned i love old-fashioned you can't get wrong with it yeah huge old-fashioned fan yeah so it's morning and evening beverage of choice what about you i love that i i weirdly am similar but a little bit different uh venn diagram time uh i drink cold brew all year round even though i live in chicago and it gets to the negative degrees in the winter mm-hmm. um i don't know what it is i i like hot coffee fine but i have a cold brew press i constantly have iced coffee for some reason i set iced coffee as a ping word in my work slack so if anyone writes it i get alerted and i don't <laughs> respond i just need to you know. just know yeah i just know lame is and iced coffee are both ping words for me as well as 24601. Anyway, I drink iced coffee a lot. Cold brew press, super worth getting. You just dump the grinds into it, fill it with water, put it in the fridge overnight. You're in heaven. It's great. Yeah. Uh, evening choice. I don't really have like an evening drink ritual, but if we're talking alcohol, I'm much more of a beer guy. Uh, right now I'm having a Domaine DuPage, uh, which is a Illinois brewery, I believe. they might. Two brothers might have gone uh, national at this point. I haven't left my apartment in over a year, so I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in terms of other beers I like, I like Allagash White a lot. I like Lagunita's Little Something Something a lot. I like IPAs, but I will put a big asterisk on that. I'm not the kind of IPA guy that just wants it as hoppy as possible. That's bullshit. 
It's all about <laughs> balance and tension. If you just if you're bragging about hops, you're so misguided, and I am embarrassed for you. So that's my evening ritual <laughs> and go to snack. I've been into grapes lately, green grapes. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've been getting really into clementines recently. It's it's my new it's my new thing. Yeah. Um, I will also say I used to be a big tea drinker at night. Um, I still have a lot of tea. I don't drink as much tea as I I would like to. I'll say. Yeah. I've been drinking more tea lately because I'm trying to slowly like drink a little less coffee because I've been getting some anxiety from it. Um, yeah. So I'll just have like black tea. But yeah, that's my that's my ritual. Yeah. Nice. Uh, this one is from Joe Border. Uh, do you have any Ratchet and Clank nostalgia? Are you excited for Into the Nexus as a quote unquote big PS5 exclusive? Is Into the Nexus the new one or is yes. that Rift Apart? Oh, yeah. Rift Apart is the new one. Yeah. Rift Apart is the new one. You're Either right. way, um, I am very excited for the new Ratchet and Clank game. I actually don't have a ton of nostalgia. I've played them in passing, but I just really like how the new one looks. And I'm excited for like that type of game. You know, yeah. like, I like I like the Sony exclusives that are like kind of atypical of their normal stuff you know mm-hmm. like the fact that ratchet and clank is like alongside god of war is like very funny to me and um, totally i'm very intrigued by it i mean again like the whole premise of rift apart is like you're jumping into worlds that are like instantly loaded so i just think that a kind of dimensional gameplay focus could be interesting um it looks great that was like one of the games at the here's the ps5 lineup that like most wowed me when we like talked about that event i was like oh my god ratchet clank looks awesome yeah. it's really wild they just had uh they just had like a um what is it called their state of play event i think it was last week or two weeks ago where they just like really focused on on rift apart the whole time um and it looks like ridiculous i'm very excited about it uh i have a lot of ratchet and clank nostalgia i played all of them yeah. really really played the hell out of all of them um two in particular i like 100 as a kid like <laughs> like really really did the whole thing i love i love this series um even the the recent not recent i guess anymore but the remake of the first one for the ps4 is like I think weirdly one of the more underrated games on the PS4 like I don't see a lot of people talking about it all the time whenever people talk about like great PS4 exclusives like that's never really mentioned it is awesome definitely play it if you haven't yeah I might play that in anticipation of Rift Apart I'd recommend it it's so fun it's so fun it looks stunning still I mean like Rift Apart is obviously like on a whole different level but even that game was like shocking when it came out Insomniac they're good at their jobs they are Ness the Sea Witch on Twitter asks, I would like to hear about how you guys got into podcasting slash this particular podcast and what you like about it. Um, sorry, this has already been in previous episodes. I just started listening a few episodes ago. Oh, no apologies. Welcome. I don't think we've even talked about this, really. Maybe in passing a bit, but... I, I'm interested in your end of this. Yeah. I mean, the short answer is this show. <laughs> um <laughs> I, uh, we were on another podcast together at one point. We we were, yeah. I mean, I was like, so like right out of college, you and I wrote for a video game website that had a show that you and I were on every now and then. And that was just sort of like a, what are you playing show? It was fun. Um, yeah. But like... Uh, very newsy. It was a very newsy show. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I have a distinct memory of like whenever it was my turn to talk, I just saw someone going like, wrap it up <laughs> in the background, <laughs> which <laughs> maybe was the move, maybe not, but it sure is evident that no one is saying it for this show, <laughs> given the episode lengths. Um, I mean, I have a big performing arts background, so like I've kind of dabbled in a lot of different things, so yeah. I always have been in interested in like putting myself on stage or or 
on a microphone, I guess. Um, so I, I, we did that moving to Chicago. Like there were a lot of different like friends and, and people I met that like all had various projects. So like in passing, you know, I, w- I would guest here and there, but I was, I didn't have like a show of my own or like a creative idea of my own podcast wise until you and I did this together, um, which is really cool. And that was something, something that I kind of learned like when I moved here and I was sort of like saying yes to like, and that's kind of the creative process, you know, especially as a performer where like you move to a city and you say yes to like any project and then you realize what you actually want to do. Yeah, totally. But I was at kind of a boiling point where I was just sort of saying yes to anything. And I was like, wait a minute, I hate all of these things. I'm not doing what I want to do or like what I think is good or mm-hmm. interesting. So, you know, eventually it's okay. What do I, I've been involved in all this stuff. Like what do I actually want to do? What do I want to focus on? And that led me to like focusing more on my art and my writing and stuff. And then pretty much shortly after that, you reached out and were like, hey, I I miss talking about video games with you. Do you want to try recording something? Which like was very exciting to me. And it just sort of took a shape of its own, weirdly. I feel like you and I didn't have like big plans for this other than the fact that we wanted to work together again. Yeah. So it's really great how much this is like taken shape. And and for my own life, how much like I had not really been performing as much because I learned that I didn't really want to do like I didn't really want to do improv anymore. I didn't want to do stand up anymore. But I wanted to do something that was performance based. And this is kind of interesting because it's not I'm not like putting on an act. This is just who I am. But it is in that realm that like I'm getting that gratification that I would in a project. And I realize, like, oh, this is like I like this. This fits in my life in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's totally. my that's my experience. Mine. Mine's a little broader. It goes a little bit further back, um, yeah. like way back in. I guess like high school era was when I first like started getting really into podcasts. Um, uh, a friend and I, Kyle, if you're out there and you're listening to this, uh, hit me up. I haven't talked to you in a long time, but uh, my friend <laughs> Kyle and I uh, were really into um, like video shows that existed on a website called Revision 3, which no longer exists. And uh got like super into the idea of having a podcast of our own. And, you know, we were like in high school and like there was no way it was ever going to work. But we actually worked really hard because he was a web designer and I was like a designer designer. Um, I, I, I've i always had like a pretty strong like design background. You've always been very savvy with that. Even before we were friends in high school, like I knew that you were good at that stuff. That's uh, cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, he, he and I would go around town, the town where you and I grew up, um, yeah. and we would try and convince the, uh, the, the like businesses in our town to let us like redesign their website and run their social media accounts and stuff. And we took all that money and like bought microphones and a like a mixing board and stuff and we were like we're gonna make a podcast and we recorded one episode and it was fucking terrible we never did anything <laughs> with it and that was it um but that that like really was me finally being like oh my god i could actually do this like this is really yeah. cool i really enjoy doing this and uh ever since then i've just kind of like always wanted to get into podcasting in some way shape or form but i was really more just like a fan of listening than anything else for a long time and that eventually led to a job that i had at anchor which was a like an audio startup at one point. It was like an audio social network that like over the course of time, we slowly started to realize like internally was just like a podcasting platform, but we weren't calling it that. Um, And then we turned it into a podcasting platform. But in the process of doing that, in that process between like pivoting the entire company, there were only like 10 of us there at the time. There were very few of us. Like in the process of that pivot, I realized that like none of us who worked at the company were making podcasts. And I was like, we should probably at least have like one of us (laughs) making a podcast. So that was when I was like, okay, 
okay, I'm going to like get real gung ho about this. I had tried making other podcasts over the years and they, you know, would stall out after like one or two episodes and like working with some like co-hosts and stuff that just like didn't work out or whatever. As you mentioned, you and I were on that other video game show a little bit, but like, I don't think you and I were ever on an episode together, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah. I was like, I really want to start a show like in earnest. Like I really want to like start a show, make it work, like see what really goes into it. Because, you know, if I, if I was going to help build a podcasting platform, like I wanted to know the whole process from like ideation to creation to marketing to like the whole literally every piece of it from like the beginning to end and I wanted to do like literally all of it um it's kind of how I work like I just want to know every piece of a thing before I can like have an opinion on it so I started a show with my friend Andrea called No Script at All about Terrace House which was a Japanese reality television show which like no longer exists um and we did that show for a couple of years and did a whole bunch of seasons of it um and it like really worked for the first time in my life it like really really worked it was great and uh that that was kind of like an aha moment for me was like realizing like okay i think i know what i'm doing like i i understand this space better uh i'm helping to build the space at work um and like what's next for me and that was kind of when i started getting the idea of like kicking around like maybe this becomes a podcast network like maybe we launch other shows i really wanted to do video game show because i miss talking about video games uh i just like am playing them all the time and like not talking about them in the way that i want to on the internet anymore because i missed working for that site that you and i worked for Um, And I miss working with you specifically. So eventually I got laid off. Cool, cool, cool. Um, And I was like, I have all this free time. Suddenly I'm just like spending all my time making no script at all and like languishing, uh, watching the crown or applying to jobs. There was those are like the only things I was doing. And uh, that's when I reached out to you. I was like, hey, I have all this free time. Like I I, like now is the time to get the show off the ground. Yeah. And uh, glad you did. Yeah, it it was interesting starting the show because, as you said, like we didn't really have like a directive for it. We didn't really have like a plan. It wasn't like it wasn't like, okay, we're going to go in and do this. But I I think my top level thing was like, at at least with like no script at all, like we were pretty much like the first terrace house podcast we were like the first ones who were like devoted to making a whole show about this and for video games that is so not the case at all i mean there's like (laughs) hundreds of video game podcasts like thousands probably and and the question for me always was like as we were recording test episodes because you and i recorded a lot of test episodes the question for me was always like what is the show that only you and i could make and how is that show different from everything else that's on the market? You know, like, how are we differentiating ourselves? But also, like, how are we being true to ourselves? And, like, where is where is that little sliver of that Venn diagram meet? And, like, what is that show in that sliver? And uh, I, th- I think over the course of, like, I don't know, eight to ten weeks, we, like, nailed it eventually. And then, like, found found our footing and like figured out what what this show is when you reached out to me i was really excited to work together again and i didn't know if this was going to be like the project or not i I assumed that we would like rekindle our interests in working together creatively and then figures out something else right that wasn't because i remember when you like we're going to do a vegan show and like video games were still a big part of my life but i was like i don't i haven't really caught up like when you're like we'll talk about e3 i'm like i didn't watch it like yeah you know like i was so like (laughs) just like okay let's see i i think at one point you said like okay so what is this I'm like, you would tell me, man, you called me, (laughs) but I mean, I just think it, um, while I, I agree that it's okay. Like, what do we do to differentiate ourselves at the same time too? Like what I've really enjoyed about doing the show, especially early on was like, we let it take shape organically. Totally. I think like 10 or 11 episodes in, we both like felt it click, you know, I think at that point we were, I remember you called me and you're like, 
that was good, wasn't it? And I was like, yeah, it felt it felt good. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, there was an episode pretty early on where I remember I was listening to one of the edits while I was walking home from work. And I was like, yeah, this is this is a good episode. <laughs> this is like the first like really good episode. And um, uh, yeah. I, I just think for me, because I've been in sort of a mindset where like, like I said earlier, I've said yes to a lot of other people's ideas and like kind of just did that to like, you know, get experience, which is fine. But I've always wanted to have creative authority over what I've been making. Mm-hmm. And um, I had that with my with my artwork and stuff. And I had that with the show with you. Uh, but I think there is also a lesson to be learned of like, sometimes there's this pitfall of going into a creative project with this like, okay, this is the one, this is it. And like, I think kind of just being open to the universe and like l- waiting for it to click, like weirdly, you can find it that way too. You know, yeah, we're like, totally. I think you and I were both like, we both like initiated it, but we were both open to what it would become and not to be like, and then everything worked out. It's still, you know, we're constantly like working on it and stuff, but like, oh, yeah. I think, um, I just think it's, it's cool to see how non-linear those efforts and those repercussions can be. Like you talked about how like for so long you've had this interest in doing it and it doesn't play out like A to B. It could be like you did this a bunch for a few years and nothing really clicked and then suddenly one day things come together in a way that you didn't expect. Yeah. That's really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's bizarre. I mean, it took me a long time to realize that I had gotten to the point where I was like, oh wait, I am a person who makes podcasts. Like that's, that's like part of my identity. Like for better or for worse you know like i know it's like a fun thing to dunk on uh like being a podcaster but like that i it is something that i like really wanted to do like way back when i was in high school and it's weird that it's like kind of evolved into this it's probably worth mentioning like i like the one thing i was really self-conscious about growing up was my voice also like i i didn't really like the way i sounded like there was actually a teacher who like dunked on me for my voice once in high school and like that sucked and that's just been like a constant thing but i i love this like weird redemptive arc i've been on for myself and that (laughs) and that I didn't even mention this, but when I was working at Anchor for uh, six episodes, uh, I got to host a, a show on the radio on Sirius XM, which was like the ultimate fuck you to that guy, uh, which is great. Um, so that's cool. But uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I, you know, in terms of like making a video game show, I just really wanted to do it. I really wanted to work with you. And um, I my creative process is always I want to make the things that I want, you know, in, yeah. to exist is, is kind of my thing. And like some of my favorite shows uh specifically like idle thumbs um had had ended uh the besties at that point which like was one of my favorite podcasts uh had also ended at that point and didn't exist anymore uh, until they came back miraculously thank you for coming back thank you and uh i was also like getting into giant bomb a bit at the time and i, I was kind of like into this idea of um like personality forward video game coverage i guess um and i just wanted to like make something like that that felt like true to who you and i were because i I, I liked working with you, but uh, yeah, I don't know. That's that's my answer to that question. Yeah, thank you for sharing all of that. Yeah, I, I uh, I'm really happy working together. It's fun. I love you. Hey, right back at you. It's been thank years. You. It's been like years that we've been doing this. Isn't that wild? Yeah, it's one of those things where it just feels like it's always been happening. You know, it's a sign of a good friendship, a good partnership, a good creative pursuit. Let's move on. We've got like 30 questions. I know we have so <laughs> many fucking questions. But that man. was a really that was a really nice one. Thank you, uh, Nesta Sea Witch, for asking that. It it opened up a lot of positive memories. Yeah. Okay. I Oh, yeah, it's my turn. Um, this is from uh, CFanJ on Twitter. Uh, which game was your biggest pleasant surprise in the past few years that you didn't expect to mesh with? Wow. I can go first if you... If you uh, yeah, go first. 
my one of my one of my biggest ones weirdly enough is death stranding um mm. that's a game that i just thought i was gonna have no interest in i you know i love to poke at things that i think i'm not gonna like and see if there's something cool on the other end and death stranding was like the biggest return on investment <laughs> like of all time because like man is that game like a masterpiece um and i went in like real confused um but it's also like a weird trend on the show is like i just check out things that i i think i'm not going to enjoy and i just check them out like to see like why they're hit culturally like Fortnite, minecraft whatever yeah. that was definitely the biggest like we we were both so uninterested but we had to check it out and we both loved it which yeah. was great yeah yeah Death Stranding is like a big one for me. League of Legends Wild Rift, to be honest. Dude, I think great is like pick. I agree. Out of yeah. nowhere. Um, another big one, which we mentioned earlier, was Titanfall 2. Yeah. I didn't think I would dislike it, but that was one where in our Games of the Decade episode, you brought it up. And it was a game I, if we weren't doing this show, I probably wouldn't have ever thought to get. Yeah. And was like, had an incredible time playing it. And yeah, those, those two, I think, Titanfall 2 and, and Wild Rift would be the most pleasant surprises. Everything else I like have a bit of like, okay, I'm even Dragon Quest Eleven, which I know I had to turn around for, like that is my vibe. Like that's like what right, right, right. That type of game I tend to like. So yeah, not a huge surprise there. Yeah. All right. Cool. Next up, we got. Oh my god. Okay, so TK and Discord asked a bunch of questions, a bunch of really good questions. I chose. It looks like five, but I'm not going to do all five right away. I also picked five, and I'm interested to see. Okay. <laughs> if if we pick the same five or if we pick different five from CK yeah. in Discord, yeah. Uh, maybe we can maybe we we'll switch back and forth for his questions in this section. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, the first one I chose was if Into the Aether could no longer be about video games, what would it be about? This Easy. was actually asked in different ways from 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 other people. So I thought it would be worth putting in. Easy. What what is your answer? Star Trek: The Next Generation. <laughs> episode to episode discussion about that show yeah, it would be it would be just us losing our whole minds <laughs> that has been like my rock throughout quarantine yeah i still haven't ever watched the original series i haven't watched voyager or the other series i'm curious about all of them i'm really loving deep space nine but if we had a star trek show it would be next gen for sure honestly runner-up would be dbz i think those two would be Dude. star trek or dbz oh man that'd be real yeah. fun yeah yeah that'd uh, be cool Look, as a person who I didn't even mention this, but like when I was working at at Anchor, um, one of my like weirder jobs, I didn't have like a job title. That was like one of the strange things about my time there was like I, I just kind of like wore whatever hat they needed to they needed me to wear at any given point. So like I ran social for a while uh, and then I was like creating like a weird Siri voice out of my own voice by like recording my own voice for like <laughs> months and then chopping it up into like an AI weird shit. Uh, anyway, one of the more interesting jobs was one of the last ones that I was doing, which was like I was essentially consulting people who were using Anchor to make podcasts. Like if if I listened to a show on Anchor and I was like, there's something really special here, just needs like a couple tweaks. Like I would like go in and, and you know, just like mention like, hey, like we can help you get some new art or something like I can maybe connect you with some people or like maybe change this about your show or like do you need a new mic or whatever, like just kind of help them out. Um, with the kind of like nitty gritty things that they needed uh, to change, to, like make their show kind of like hit the next levels, then we could, you know, promote it and whatever. But, uh, you know, that that being a part of my job for such a long time just meant that I was listening to like so many podcasts. And because of that, I was also like generating just like a ton of podcast ideas. And uh, honestly, like of all of the podcast ideas, I don't know. I don't know if like you and I would want to do any of them because they're so weird. And that's like one of that's like. <laughs> 
one of the things where like when I think about Into the Aether not being a show about video games anymore, it really has to be like it has to be like, OK, we just we have to switch the topic that we're talking about, because like some of the other show ideas I have are so fucking off the wall <laughs> that like. Well, here's the man. thing. If we did if we did a DBZ show or a next gen show, it would probably follow a similar beat to uh, no script at all. Yes. That you do with Andrea, where we would just go through every episode and talk about it and maybe have like a fun. I would love to do a winners or losers for next gen, to be honest. That would be so fun. Yeah. But anyway, I think a show, if we weren't talking about video games, a show topic that could be very similar to the show would probably be comics. I think if you didn't have to have the Marvel restriction, I think we would have a lot of fun with that as well. And it would probably be a very similar, like, we're going to bring to the table comics we love and talk about them. That would be the other idea. I have so much I would love to say on the podcast yeah. that I'm not going to. <laughs> Iron Man is holding your mouth shut. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to say a, a word. I will, I will just like, I opened up my big list of podcast ideas. I'll say one that I think you and I in particular would have a really good time with. Sure. Uh, this is a podcast idea that's called Who Are Douglas? And essentially, the way the podcast works is every week we open up Google Images and we type in the word Douglas and uh, we track down all of the people who show up and then we interview them one by one. <laughs> and we, f- we find out who are Douglas with a uh, with a series finale in which we interview Michael Douglas, who shows up way more than anyone else. <laughs> That's very fun. Uh, do you want to move on to the next question you have from TK? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, bu- 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 when you need to put garbage food into your body, what do you pick? Oh, my God. My uh, my favorite like junk food snack is probably sour cream and onion and ruffles. Uh, Whoa. Yeah, big fan of sour cream onion chips or the smart food cheddar popcorn. Both yeah, really bags good. make me feel like I've just smoked a pack of cigarettes. I've never <laughs> smoked in my life, but I imagine it's a similar feeling. It is like the like chemical crave snack that I that I am guilty for. Yeah. Hmm. I think probably Cheez Its. Oh, Jesus are good. Too. Like if we're talking about like like snacks, you could like go buy at a grocery store like that. Um, yeah. But if we're talking like real garbage food, I mean, it's Popeye's spicy chicken sandwich. Like, oh, to the end we're of doing time. meals now. Not even just snacks. Yeah, whatever. Um, I, My version of that, I haven't gotten a Popeye's maybe ever. But my version of that is the spicy chicken sandwich from Wendy's. The number six combo. Yeah, is like my favorite fast food order. You got you got to try the Popeye sandwich or maybe don't. Maybe you're better off not trying it. <laughs> <laughs> It'll maybe change your life. Know. For better or for worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, here's a big deal for me uh, from TK. Oh, so TK, you asked so many great questions. It was hard to choose. Thank you for everything you do. Uh, what are the 12 game franchises of the Zodiac? I'm hands off on this one. This is all you. <laughs> this is a question made for you. Okay. I'm loving this Friday night energy. Oh, yeah, me too, man. I'm going to say that uh my first thought is that mother is aquarius in terms of game franchises being a zodiac sign aquarius is kind of like the weird sign they're like very so there are three there are three of each element there are three fire signs three earth signs wind signs water signs usually wind or air signs are like very sociable and very like amiable you're a gemini point you know point proven very (laughs) amiable man um libra similar deal but aquarius are kind of like the weird air sign where they're like just extremely intelligent but very introverted and very like 
kind of in their own imagination. And to me, Mother is very much that, where it's like child's book of drawings, the game. Yeah. Uh, you know, like if, if, a, if a kid doodled Mother, they would like the parent would nervously give that to the principal and they're like, your kid's a genius, but they need to be like taken away. (laughs) (laughs) So mother is, is uh, Aquarius. I think Zelda is Aries because I think Aries is the leader of the Zodiac. I'm an Aries. I'm not trying to be (laughs) egocentric here, Uh but Aries is all about being head first action oriented. And Zelda as a series is about the idea of courage besting evil. It's about taking on a challenge that you may not be equipped for right away, but you'll figure it out as you go. And it also just seems like if any franchise is going to be Ares, it's going to be a well-known one. So I think Zelda as Ares makes sense to me. Great. Scorpio is Fire Emblem because it's kind of like weirdly sexual, all about like relationships and uh, tricks and tactics (laughs) and, you know... Scorpio, uh, very misunderstood sign. Uh, I f- my fan theory of astrology is anyone who writes for horoscopes was dumped by Scorpio because every description is like, you think they're nice, but they're not. <laughs> it's like, what happened? <laughs> Scorpio's rule, don't listen to that shit. Uh, but I do think, uh, you know, like whenever you look at like symbology of Scorpio, it's always tied to sexuality and like murder in some way and that just seems very fire emblem i'm, lo- I'm looking at a uh, zodiac signs in one word graphic that i found on google images in about 45 seconds and scorpios is perfection which i actually kind of like <laughs> alongside fire emblem yeah there's a there's an ambition and i think what i like about scorpios too is they're very honest and direct and they'll do the things that need to be done to get the best end result which i think a lot of fire emblem games are about so i would say fire emblem scorpio moving on capricorn is minecraft capricorn is a similar sign to uh, Aries and Scorpio in that they all share some trait of ambition. Um, but Capricorn, whereas Aries ambition is like, I'm just going to go. I don't have a sword yet. I'm going to figure it out. But I'm going. Mm-hmm. Scorpio ambition is like, I can seduce him, kill him, and then get ahead. Uh, Capricorn is like, okay, I've got three rocks, four jewels. It's this far away. Very pragmatic, grounded. Yeah. Like, I've got a plan for this. And I think that there's sort of like both a cozy and like a scale to Minecraft that matches the ambition of the Capricorn goat very well. Libra, I think is... I can't believe this is happening. You're doing this all <laughs> off the dome. I want to let it be known. Steven does, did not write anything down. This is all coming from his brain. Brain in quotes. <laughs> this, this is coming from the ground beef shoved into his skull. <laughs> Libra is Mario Kart because Libra is all about like, hey, man, let's hang out. Let's have a good time. Let's be social. Oh, that's nice. And I think that there's nothing more like chill and inviting, but also a little bit competitive. Yeah. As Mario Kart. Um, So I think Mario Kart is Libra. Okay. Uh, What else we got? Gemini. Gemini. Your sign. What would be Gemini? Animal Crossing. Mm. Gemini, I think, is Persona. Uh, You've got the duality of the dungeon crawling and Mm. the social sim element. There you go. And I think Gemini is all about curiosity and, you know, just getting to know the world better and people better. 
And I think there's an element of the relationship sim to Persona that is like not only getting to know someone better, but like genuinely understanding how they work and helping them. Not to mention the curiosity inherent to the design of a dungeon crawler, like figuring out what exists in this world yeah. and like how it can aid the other part of it. So you get Persona as a gift. Great. Thank a you. A young Gemini. No problem. What are the signs of there? Pisces. Pisces, Pisces is Silent Hill. Uh, Pisces are the poets of the Zodiac, very sensitive, very artistic. I think that Silent Hill is a horror series, which feels weird to tie to Pisces, but I think there's something like very intense and also um, kind of dreamlike in Silent Hill, at least the early ones, like one through three, that I think are reminiscent of Pisces and also just like water and fog and like that kind of like unconscious element Mm. I would tie with Pisces. <laughs> what else we got? What else we got? Taurus. Taurus is Animal Crossing because Taurus is all about oh. uh, ritual and like kind of like the comfort. If Capricorn is like the ambition of Earth, Taurus is like the comfort and routine of it. And I think that there's something about that cyclical uh, gameplay loop of Animal Crossing that is very Taurus. Uh, what else we got? Uh, we've done Libra. We've done Gemini. We've done all the three more. Signs. Three more. Yeah. We haven't done Leo or Cancer or Virgo. Oh, or Sagittarius. Or Sagittarius. Okay, Leo, Cancer, Virgo, Sagittarius. Leo, I think, is DDR because uh, Leo is all about showing off and being confident. And I think there's nothing... Yeah. Whether it's DDR or a different arcade game where you can like show off your high score in a physical way, it's that. But I think DDR is Leo. Virgo, I think, is... Virgo is like my one big blind spot. Like I don't know many Virgos. I don't know a ton about Virgo. So whatever my answer is might be a bit misguided. The one word here is realistic. Realistic? Okay, Virgo is... Call of Duty Modern Warfare. <laughs> Perfect. I'll give you one. <laughs> Call of Duty Modern oh, Warfare you. for Virgo. And well, so what's left? Cancer um, and Sagittarius. Okay. So Sagittarius, very ambitious, very fun, easygoing. I think Sagittarius is Splatoon because it's all about having a good time, competitive, uh, not in the same like I really care about the high score way of like Leo yeah. or or Virgo. But I think Sagittarius is Splatoon. Which is canonically Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Just, just as a reminder. <laughs> <laughs> and uh i want to say cancer is my first thought is eco we talked about it recently the word but, here is um, loyal and that feels right to me yeah cancers are very protective very maternal and very loving but like could lash out in a way for the people they love and i feel like eco is all about that wow. so that was like my first thought great so those are my answers uh let me see if i remember aries zelda oh, scorpio fire emblem Virgo, Call of Duty, Sagittarius, Splatoon, Taurus, Animal Crossing. I said them already. I don't know if I remember all of them. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I was amazed that you were able to do that in the first place. If you were able to remember all of the things that you just <laughs> improvised, that would have been incredible. So that's my answer. Thank you for asking. I just had the time of my life doing that. I'm so glad that you got to answer that one. <laughs> I'm glad you are glad. What's your favorite B game from the era of B games? PS2, Xbox, GameCube generation. So what is what do you mean by B games? Like I don't B know, movies? like B movies, but like games. Is that tied to that generation? Is that like a thing? I don't know. I, I don't I don't I don't know. I mean this might be totally different, but that's how I'm reading that question. Mm. Is like 
game, you know, like there there were obviously like the Ratchet and Clanks of the world on PS2. You know, there was there were the the Mario Karts on uh on GameCube, but like what was the other stuff that like flew under the radar that uh that like didn't get the attention? Like maybe wasn't even good, but you liked anyway. I was a big fan of Super Monkey Ball on the GameCube, the yeah. first one. Not even the multiplayer. I liked the single player of that game. Like I really liked it. Yeah. I also liked there was a GameCube game godzilla destroy all monsters that was a godzilla fighting game okay where you could, like throw buildings at each other and, interesting like, similar similar note the one i was going to bring up for ps2 was uh war of the monsters which was like mm. literally inspired by b-movies uh and and was like a monster fighting game that i really yeah. loved playing mecha king Ghidorah was a bit broken because he had like a fireball that could just stun you and drain all your energy yeah um i liked playing as anguros or rodan the underdogs of Great. the Godzilla world. Yeah, totally. Okay. What has been your favorite moment recording into the Aether so far? Another TK question. I mean, aside from doing the Zodiac game series, uh, actually, that's that was fun, but it's not my favorite. What are you thinking? <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit up in the air. I think um, I really, really love doing our E3 episodes, and I'm kind of like... They're fun. Yeah. I'm bummed if like that goes away forever, like if we can't... like if e3 is like gone gone uh in in the form that it was in like forever that's like an end of an era like for me like as a person but also for the show but i, I feel like leakage has been like the evolution of that weirdly. yeah totally it's like it's like you and i like are like bursting at the seams to do something like an e3 episode and like we can't so we do it in in the leakage episodes so that that's kind of one of them i on it just like whenever we get to have a guest on i like love having guests yeah. and, I, and all of our guests have been like so cool and so great and and i've really like enjoyed that experience um totally yeah i think i think the addition of the bonus episodes has like really solidified our formula because mm. i think they've like there's something we like really work up to over the month and i've enjoyed all of them honestly i know we joke about it but games of the decade was a really great experience like recording that yeah man and like the reception to it and the fact that we released a 20, 10 hour episode that people like listened to and liked yeah man i've seen the stats on that i've seen the analytics like people do want people listen to that whole thing it's wild yeah. it's really wild yeah. thank you for doing that thank you for doing that yeah that that was a that was a big one and i think that was also like i think we like grew as a show after doing that <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know i think i think we were able to take more on you know cosmically after that uh my my follow-up is full moon ass boy 68 <laughs> which still makes me laugh uh, that was a good one okay uh your turn here's the here's the last one of us uh navel gazing what has been your favorite aether adjacent project so far oh yeah um i think i also wrote this down i did i really have enjoyed doing the pokemon emerald nuzlocke run but i think it's really hard to top us playing as lester for the first time in oblivion that was like yeah dude something we've wanted to do for years and it was like exactly what we wanted it to be it was so much fun yeah yeah the we I think we mentioned this in that video and like maybe at another point in the show at, at some point. But uh, Steve and I lived in the same town for like two months and he came over and we recorded like two episodes of an Oblivion Let's Play in like, I don't know, 2013, 2014, like somewhere in that vicinity. And uh, they, they're just like lost to time. Like those episodes are just gone. Um, but I, I feel like ever since then, like that's that is like the reason that this podcast exists is like that experience <laughs> of you and I like realizing that our shared love of Oblivion is like literally a catalyst for something beyond that yeah 
And uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Oblivion really is like a religious text for us in this show. Absolutely. Truly. Yeah. I, I would say my other one, I really, really, really liked when I was getting up every morning and playing Link's Awakening. That was like a really fun thing. Yeah. Like streaming that game every morning until I was done with it was cool. I had never done a full Let's Play of a video game before, like on stream or recorded or anything. And uh, I've done two now, uh, which That's is awesome. cool. Hollow Knight and Link's Awakening, right? Yeah. So like uh, just that experience was really fun. And uh, shout out to my dad, who I think is watching that as like a guide for his own playthrough of Link's Awakening, which is fun. But yeah, that, that's probably it for me, I think. Uh, I have one more question from TK and oh, then we can move on to other ones. Uh, what musical artist would you like to see direct a game? And what game designer would you like to write an album of music? Oh, fuck. Yeah, I have it. I have a quick answer for the latter question. OK, I need an album from Hideo Kojima like right now. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, that that was the that, first thing that popped into my head. Yeah, was yeah. was that. I don't care I, it can't be good or bad. It will just exist and I need to listen to it. Yeah. Uh my follow up there is Bennett Foddy, creator of Quop. Um, and, and getting over it with Bennett Foddy. Would love to hear whatever Bennett Foddy has going on musically. I think that'd be fascinating. I'm waiting for somebody to write in and be like, Bennett Foddy actually does make music and here's the Bandcamp link because uh, that'd be fun. The other one, musical artist I'd like to see make a video game. I have an answer for this if you need time. Yeah, please go. I would say Michelle Zahner of Japanese Breakfast. I mean, she's already Oh yeah, composed. she's working on that one, right? Yeah, she composed the music for the game Sable that's coming out eventually. But she also just has like, if you go to her website, she just made like a full JRPG like about her just like on her website Whoa. that you can like find accidentally. Um, I don't know like how long it goes, but like, I remember finding and, and being impressed at like how long it was going on for. <laughs> and I, I, from what I know, like of her like music and and her doing the music for this game i feel like she would make something really cool yeah so that would be my answer cool that's a good answer that's a really good answer i had one and i just lost it you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna shout out my bloody valentine again and i want to <laughs> i want to see what kevin shields uh the like mastermind behind my bloody valentine would do because the the whole thing about my bloody valentine and kevin shields is that like he spent forever perfecting the sounds on that album like like decades perfecting that sound and i would love to see that kind of like focus applied to a video game be very interested in what that would sound like or what that would feel like totally i have an answer that's basically just for a fun title for this episode but dave Grohl's punch out just like came into my <laughs> head right away and i can't stop thinking about it oh shit that's really good um, yeah I, I feel like this is a question that i could like riff on for the rest of the night and I, we should probably like hit the eject button before i do that but i will also say john hopkins who is uh just an incredible producer and artist uh i would i would love to see what he would do with a video game and brian Eno, same same vibe i mean they they work together a lot but yeah either of them maybe together sometimes they produce together why don't they make a video game together i think you have, uh, you have a good insight though of like musicians that are all about like really studying something that would apply well to i think game design yeah okay uh is it your turn for a question uh it might be yeah I, th I think it is i don't have any more tk questions thank you tk for all those thank you, questions. TK. um let's see let's see let's see there's so many <laughs> there's some yeah i know there's so many questions uh here's one from michael who would you pick to be your partner pokemon assume you have to pick a base level pokemon no evolutions bulbasaur tell me why might be a basic answer we might have answered this already on the Pokemon Crystal episode, but I, I feel like we uh, might have, yeah. Yeah, I love Bulbasaur. I'm a big grass Pokemon fan. 
my other first thought was Oddish, but I think Bulbasaur, I actually like Bulbasaur more than his evolutions, to be honest, because like he just sort of gets bloomed. But like Bulbasaur as they are is beautiful. So you would just like have a Bulbasaur, give them an Everstone and like they would just like hang out in your I house? I wouldn't give them an Everstone. I, I would welcome whatever path they wanted to take. But if you're asking me like which base level Pokemon is my partner, it'd be Bulbasaur. Bulbasaur is the perfect balance of like I could see them realistically as a good pet, but they're also strong enough that if we had to battle, I wouldn't feel bad. Like I, they could definitely defend themselves. I don't yeah. have like, you know, like a, a Meowth or something where it's like, this is just a cat that I'm making fight, you know? Like Bulbasaur is like a little dinosaur. I can't believe that of every Every Pokemon you were going to pick as an example, you picked the one that I was going to pick as your like <laughs> shitty, like definitely. I would never pick a Meowth. I'm picking Meowth. <laughs> Meowth is my pick. Unironically, Meowth, is, Meowth was going to be my pick um, because then I could evolve them into a Persian, which is what I actually want. Well, but the question was what base level Pokemon do you want? So which one, it, you know? Yeah, but they, they would evolve eventually. Like, you're, I'm, like, right? Like the idea is like you would get a Pokemon, like you'd befriend them and you'd hang out with them. And then eventually they'd grow up. That's true, I guess. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take your answer away from you, but it does feel like you want a Persian more than a Meowth. It's that's true. <laughs> I don't blame you. Persian's cool. I mean, you got Mob Boss Giovanni off screen petting a Persian in the focus, and like, yeah, it's such a powerful vibe. But if I guess if I have to, if I have to follow the question to the letter, ooh, interesting, 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 Grookey. Grookey's a good one. Grookey's great. Grookey, I would give an Everstone because Thwacky is straight from Bloodborne. <laughs> <laughs> Rillaboom, I'm fine with, but I don't want a Thwacky near me, uh, to be honest. <laughs> Please get your Thwacky away from me. <laughs> don't make me ask you again. Oh, shit. You mind, you mind if we move on? Yeah, we have to. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew in Discord asked a really great question, a little bit, a little bit heavier. Oh yeah, this is a good question. In the past, I've had people in my life that have shamed me for playing video games, describing them as a waste of time, childish, etc. Those people generally aren't in my life anymore, but I still sometimes struggle with those voices internally. Do you ever struggle with that as well? Or put another way, how do you reconcile the simple joy of sitting and playing games with the pervasive capitalist attitude? That all your time should be spent productively, in quotes. Great question. Yeah, really good question. I mean, my my first like blush at an answer is, is kind of an adaptation of what you said during uh, our Shadow of the Colossus and Eco bonus, which was essentially like any anyone who thinks that way about video games, like isn't paying attention to video games, you know, like right. yeah. it's kind of like ignorant of what like the medium is at this point um, and kind of what it always has been. Um, like I, I understand like at a certain point, like there were arcade machines that like just existed to take quarters and stuff but like that's so not the case anymore i mean it's like it's art you're engaging with art and that's good you know um as a person who like makes things there's this like prevailing idea that like the act of creation is output and any art and like experience that you have is input and it takes a lot of input to get to the output stage of of like the creative process and uh I don't know. I I think like that doesn't have to only apply to creation in general. I think that can just apply to like mental health and like existing as like a human being, you know, like the output of whatever you do in the world comes from all the things that you're ingesting, you know, the the output of of, like your psyche and and your thought process and, you know, your opinions and thoughts and how you feel about the world um, and how you how you interact with others is all based on the things that you ingest. And if you're like taking in stuff that makes you happy, even if that's 
that's video games like that's great that's cool um totally yeah. i completely agree i mean i think um I, I think there are two big questions here and for the first one like do you struggle with games that are childish oh sorry brandon i just see a giant bug in my wall give me one second oh yeah go get it steven's killing a big bug he's taking it out 360 no scope call of duty it's one of those things where the minute you copy and paste like the fear of it being childish to any other medium, it sounds silly. Like right. if someone's like, Oh, I watched two seasons of this show last night versus I played X hours of persona. I mean, you know, I, I, I get it to an extent because again, I think that there was so much marketing early on in games history that was like selling it as a toy specifically for like young boys. You know, that was so much of the marketing early on was, I mean, literally the game boy itself as a name yeah, is that as a microcosm. So I think that there were a lot of people that like saw it as not for them and, you know, grew up without it and like may really like it, but just feel like that was either for someone else or for themselves at a younger age. And I really, you know, I, I think you and I are both very aware of the fact that, like, if you haven't played games your whole life, there are a lot of barriers to accessibility with, like, just general muscle memory and everything. But I think you and I also want to break down the preconception that, like, games aren't for everyone because they are. Totally. Absolutely. I think we're at a point now where that's like becoming more and more common. And I'm really happy to see like a lot of people in my life who normally like uh, a close friend of mine recently messaged me. She was like, I've started playing Final Fantasy seven remake and she like does not play games at all. And she's like talking to me about Shenra and I could not be happy. Wow, that rules. You know, it's just cool. It's cool to like, I I am jealous of people to have that revelation. Like, you know, as an adult being like, oh shit, like this is also like a whole world for me that I haven't experienced yet. So I don't really struggle with the idea like, oh, that this is childish. Uh, I mean, there are games that are made for a younger audience uh, the same way that there are movies made for younger audience, you know? Yeah. And I think that if you struggle with that internally of like, are these for adults or not? Like, I, I, I think... I think you can let that wash over you. I think it's not really worth worrying about. The latter question, though, the part where you said, how do you reconcile the simple joy of sitting and playing games with the pervasive capitalist attitude that all your time should be spent productively? I think you you beautifully put like how life is is not just producing, but also is engaging with other things. Yeah. And I think that like, I don't know, when you're in a state of mind where you want to experience something you wouldn't have been creating in that time you know that's like kind of where i'm at where it's like i'm in a very different headspace when i want to draw or write than i am when i want to sit down and engage with something obviously it's all in moderation and you can fall into a habit of like you know putting off things that you secretly want to do but that's not because of video games it's because of whatever you're going through you know it would be something else it would be looking at the wall or you know whatever like (laughs) uh, it's it's not uh but i I do i do think that that's like i I see more and i hear more that video games like a waste of time and that's just bullshit you know the people who say that watch like eight seasons of garbage like you know it's everyone's got something to occupy them and to judge anyone for having that is bullshit Shit. Yeah, I, I am 1000% on your side there. Yeah, I, 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 I just, I, you know what? Actually, I don't have anything else to say about it. I think we could just go <laughs> on. I, I, yeah. I, I feel very strongly that um, that uh, playing playing video games uh, in any sense, if it brings you literally any kind of joy, you know, even if it's like, even if like the story in the game is like upsetting or whatever, uh, but you're still like engaging with it and thinking about it critically, like that's, that's good. And that's like, 
productivity on on your own terms you know not on yeah. like the terms of a capitalist society you know like not <laughs> not to not to say that like you know productivity is good because of capitalism or whatever that's not that's not what i'm trying to say at all but i i just mean like it is it is productive to like spend your time doing something that makes you happy because like at the end of the day the thing that is important in life is that you are happy uh and that you are engaging with life and that also includes art like video games so yeah, I, I think I think it's a really like cosmic way of connecting people. You know, going back to Death Stranding, it really is like a uh, 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 overall net positive. Yeah. So yeah, don't worry. Have fun. Keep Play gaming. Game Keep gaming. Said us, <laughs> uh, Shelly in Discord. Here we go. Uh, a fun topic. What's your dream career outside of video game podcasting? Asks Shelly. Yeah, and in parentheses, I have no idea what Steven does. Was was the follow up to that? <laughs> I don't know what I do. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll say this much on my end. Um, I, well, I should probably say this first. Uh, I work for Marvel Entertainment. Anything I say and do does not represent the views of my employer. I, I keep a pretty tight lid on what I do at Marvel. I don't really tell a lot of people exactly what I do. I have already been targeted by weird people on the Internet because of what I do for Marvel. Um, and I, I try to not open myself up for any more of that. So uh, that said, in terms of like a career outside of video game podcasting, like th this is not the thing that I'm trying to make my career per se. Uh, you know, this is like a thing that I have fun doing, but I, I do think like long term, it would be nice to do something like this full time, you know, oh, yeah, um, totally like to, to be able to do this show and other shows and stuff full time uh, would be would be really fun and cool and good. But it's definitely not the focus right now. I, I've said a lot that I like having a nine to five. Um, where I come home and like then get to engage with stuff and like make things on the side and, and, and do things like this. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just stalled, my whole brain just stalled out thinking about this. No, that's that such a good. big question. That sense. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, for me, I, I've always been a bit more project based. Like I've, I've had a kind of wide range of interests for most of my life. Everything's kind of fallen under the umbrella of what I consider like performing or writing. Weirdly, drawing is like for me in the middle because it's something that's very like like independent and it's just me, but there's something performative about kind of bringing something to life visually. And I find that I'm engaging in my actor muscles when I draw in a, in a, in a more indirect way. Yeah. So I think for me, my dream is really just to like, like, honestly, I just love being able to make this show and I'm, I'm trying to finally, what I've been wanting to do for a very long time is like bring a comic to life and like having a comic project to like to share online or wherever. And uh, I'm hoping to do that relatively soon because I've, you know, in college, my focus was writing and like I write a lot and I haven't really shared that part of my life a ton. Like I have a few things on our medium that I'm proud of and, you know, and I've done some stuff here and there, but I, I would really like to like share something narrative. Yeah. If we can have this show exist alongside a more narrative project for me, like that's kind of it. And then. Whether or not I'm like financially independent because of that is like kind of just icing on the cake, you know? That's kind of how I feel about it too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would love more yeah. time to work on all this stuff, but I also like, like right now my day job is like not related to really anything that is like tied to that. But I also think that that weirdly helps keep everything else sacred. But I mean, I would also like to work towards reality in which like this show and other projects could like help us exist independently of that. But that's also not like our goal. Like if that happens, that's independent of us, like trying to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like outside of this, like I, I make a lot of music and stuff um, and, and like it's never really been a goal to like be a musician either, or at least not recently 
recently. It used to be for a little bit, um, but but like not anymore, really. I will say I have I have been considering I hope nobody I work with is listening to this. I, I have been considering like getting into like either games media or like games in general, uh, like game oh, development yeah. or like the, the like cool. studio side of things or publishing or whatever. That's just like something I've been kicking around kind of recently. I don't know if it's like a, a thing I'm like actively pursuing, but it's a thing that I've been like thinking about a little bit because I feel like every couple of years I go through like a big like life shift in a way. Yeah, <laughs> um, like a pretty big career shift. Too. And uh, I don't know that just it just feels like a natural next step, potentially, um, especially after doing this show for so long. It's kind of opened my eyes to maybe wanting to do that a little bit more. Another thing I might look into that, honestly, like I have felt encouraged to do because of people's comments about our show is maybe start looking into doing voice acting. Oh, yeah. There were some questions about that, weren't there? That could be a lot of fun. Yeah, there were there were a few like, why isn't Steven a voice actor? <laughs> Which is very flattering. Yeah. But um, that could be like... Cause I, again, like I've, I've dabbled in a lot of different types of performance and like didn't really find like, I love doing it, but I didn't find one thing I loved enough to like commit to that, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that doing this show has kind of like shed a light on like, oh, I love being behind a microphone and just being weird. So like, yeah, ergo, hey, <laughs> DBZ, let me on. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that might be something I look into, but uh, you know, it's all, all, all happy stuff there. Want to move? On. yeah let's do it uh, i think i think i'm up yeah you are uh this is from matt who's your favorite npc and what npc would you be cool with having for a roommate oh my god very different answers for me yeah me too my favorite NPC. I hate to invoke Oblivion, but mine is Adoring Fan. Oh my god, yeah. Adoring Fan and the Resident Evil 4 Merchant were like my first thoughts. <laughs> uh, Those are good what picks. Are you but both bad roommates. Would not Horrible want roommate, that's either. the thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Adoring Fan, incredible NPC, terrible roommate. Would not want to hang out with them. Adoring Fan is really good. In terms of roommate, I think I would... Hmm, I would love to be roommates with the King of Red Lions from Wind Waker, the boat. <laughs> I think he'd be like a great roommate because he's just like chill and he's there to help. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's a really good pick. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to pick a recent one. Uh, I, I think I, I've been playing new Pokemon snap since the last episode that we recorded. Um, I would love to hang out with professor mirror. <laughs> I think we he's good he's got I, a good vibe yeah he does have a good vibe I, he, he seems pretty chill he just like pictures of pokemon he doesn't have like the greatest like photographer's eye but that's fine any any pokemon professor i think would make a good roommate probably but yeah can you imagine living with adoring fan that would be an absolute that's it'd a be, horror movie yeah it'd be horrible yeah. it'd be really horrible i mean i guess it depends on who he's an adoring fan of hello it seems someone has cut holes in your backpack <laughs> goodbye <laughs> what yeah, that's the thing. I ate your leftovers. I hope that's yeah. okay. <laughs> I poured sand into the fridge. What? <laughs> Biosura, Biosura, Biosura! It's our landlord standing here next <laughs> to me. Is he a big fan of the landlord? Oh my God, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, he chose to live there specifically because of who the landlord is. Yeah. Oh yes, great landlord. Shall I pay your rent? Shine your shoes perhaps? Here? Right here? Well, I'll be here waiting in case you need someone to worship the ground you walk on. <laughs> we gotta move on. Uh, Extraceptives this month. <laughs> <laughs> I love, oh my God, he, he's an adoring fan of the landlord, but like he despises you and is constantly jealous of you. Because All the landlord does is text you. Where's the rent? He asked. What about me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sue in Discord asks, favorite Edgar Wright movie? 
Do you have a pick? Oh, shit. Um, I think Hot Fuzz. I have not seen Scott Pilgrim in a very long time, so I don't know if that would be it. Um, so I'm going to go with Shaun of the Dead. Um, I have recently watched both Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. There was a pre-pandemic at the music box. They had like a... I think it was right when Baby Driver came out. They had like an Edgar Wright like festival. Yeah. And they had a double feature of both movies. Hot Fuzz is funnier, but I think Shaun of the Dead is the better movie, Mm. in my opinion. It's got like, like Hot Fuzz is kind of a build up to like a really great finale. Yeah. And it's very funny. I I also like my favorite scene maybe in a movie is in Hot Fuzz when um, it's, uh, is it Timothy Dalton? Yes. His character is sitting at the desk with his like evil grin and the mustache. And there's the picture of him doing the exact same pose. Yes. It just like incredible. I also love how he's, he's clearly the villain and he's like, uh, arrest me. My prices are criminal. Um, so silly, but I like Shaun of the Dead's pivot from being like a satire to like a genuine horror movie. Yeah. And like, it's got some more kind of like, I think that there's more like, like really emotional scenes in Shaun of the Dead. Whereas Hot Fuzz is like, more goofy yeah both are great both are great movies yeah i don't know i just hot fuzz is the one that i always like want to go back to and watch again i was a big fan of scott pilgrim like i I read the comics uh when i was in high school and then like the movie came out and was like a big fan of that i worry that it doesn't hold up as well um i don't know maybe it does my my recollection of the movie is that it's a little more forgiving of scott's bullshit whereas the comic is like more focused on the fact that he has a lot of bullshit that he needs to work through yeah the comic at a certain point recognizes that scott and ramona are like second to pretty much any other character in that story yeah and that their relationship is like actually pretty toxic in a lot of ways like kind of shitty and not good for either of them um and the movie is very like cool with just like the two of them being together and like it just wants to be love story i haven't read it in a long time either but i remember from the comics like really loving kim and wallace and kim isn't really in the movie as much but wallace is great totally yeah what i'll say about the movie is like i mean as with most edgar wright stuff um it's like a master class in filmmaking it's like yeah like that movie in particular is just like stunning and that i know holds up because i've watched a little bit of it kind of recently but not the whole thing but like some of the stuff that I, I saw recently, I was just like amazed that it still looks that good. Um, and, and Kieran Culkin as Wallace, it's just like incredible casting. Unreal. Totally. Really good. I think Brian Lee O'Malley has a habit of like a lot of the protagonists are always like kind of immature or misguided. And sometimes it really works. And sometimes it's like, are, are they like getting away with being shitty? You know, yeah. like yeah. Lost at Sea is like a very like heartfelt coming of age story. And actually I love Seconds. You haven't read Seconds? It's I love really, Seconds. It's really great. Yeah. It's it's like if Scott Pilgrim is like early 20s angst, uh, seconds is late 20s angst, which yeah. that's where I'm at. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, good times. Seconds is really good. Um, left out of this whole conversation was uh, World's End, which I think is a lot better than. Um, I haven't seen it. I actually missed that one. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. that was one that like came out and kind of like flew under the radar, but I, I think it's really great. It's in the Cornetto trilogy, right? It's like Hoffa's. Yes. Pil- no, I'm sorry. Shaun of the Dead, Hoffa's and World's End are all that trilogy. I like how Simon Pegg and Nick Frost switch like who's the voice of reason. Like in, yes. in Shaun of the Dead, Nick Frost is like the goofy roommate and then in hot fuzz like actually he's still the goofy one but simon Pegg is like ultra serious which like he almost yeah, he, like, never is far. in yeah. any other movie which is very fun to see yeah anyway uh, we should move on sure here's one from uh another show on the network frog of the week they ask uh why do frogger hop so good which 
Yeah, I'm not, I, I don't know how to answer that question, but I will say that recently I went back, like, I don't know why this just is great timing. I recently went back and played uh, Frogger 2 recently, <laughs> uh, uh-huh. which is a video game that exists on the PlayStation 1. <laughs> PS1, wow, okay. And also the PC. Yeah, it's a PS1 game and a PC game. They, they decided they wanted to make a sequel to Frogger. Uh, and it's like, okay, what is the sequel to Frogger? And it's called Frogger 2 Swampy's Revenge. Uh, oh, and, no. and essentially the idea is that one of the many alligators or crocodiles, I don't know which one, uh, that Frogger jumps on and the original Frogger is like pissed off about it. It's like, stop jumping on me and uh, steals all of Frogger's children. Uh, and then and then Frogger has to go out and uh, and save the day by like essentially playing Frogger through like 3D environments. And it's really good and like still holds up in ways that I wasn't expecting. Very fun game. Frogger 2 Swampy's Revenge. Weird recommendation. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. I had no idea. Yeah. I also wrote this question down. I, I was going to save it for last, but I'm glad you brought it up because I'm glad we know about Swampy's Revenge. Yeah. Also, yeah. another plug. Listen to the Frog of the Week. It's great. It's so good. Here are a couple questions from Gavin M. in Discord. I'm going to do these back to back. Oh, sure. Now that we're in any rush, we've committed to this. We're here in, for the long haul, but here are two back to back. A song that feels like summer and a song that feels like winter. These are harder for me than spring and fall. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Whoa. I have a playlist called Oh Sick at Summer that I'm going to consult real quick and see what pops to my head as I scroll through this. Ooh. Uh, hmm. Oh, wait a minute. I have a song that sounds like Summer to me. Uh, Wave Goodnight to Me by Jeff Rosenstock. That's my summer song. And my winter song is actually, I think, a My Bloody Valentine song. Great. But I think it would be You Only Said on uh oh no it might be uh, that whole album honestly loveless is is winter to me uh that's yeah yeah i i kind of i feel like that's more fall for me but i i'm i'm very much like a proponent of uh like bands specific like whole bands unknowingly make music for certain seasons like they they just like don't Mm -hmm. even realize that they're doing it and then there are every once in a while bands that realize that that's the case and that they've like fallen into the trap of like being a seasonal band like death cab for cutie always going to be a fall band like that's just their vibe (laughs) sorry ben gibbard if you're trying to do anything else like that's it's it's not going to happen for you but someone like bonnie vare has like managed to make an album for every season somehow which is pretty cool yeah anyway that said uh summer for me, here, oh, kind of a weird pick, Come to Me Now by Kevin Morby is a song that just feels like really late night, like the fan is on at full speed mm. in your bedroom, kind of like sweaty summer, uh, but you like really love it. It's like one of those instances where like the sky is totally clear. You can see the stars. The moon is out. It's like cool, cool, cool. Like as, as in like it's sick, not like not like cool. It's like really hot and shitty. That's that song. Come to me now for the summer. Uh, and then for winter, I would say uh, a song called Bully by a band called Ruby Haunt. And I don't know if that's just because I listened to it on repeat all winter uh, for like a straight month in uh, 2019, I want to say uh, or not. But um, that song like really takes me back to winter every time I listen to it. I would also add to summer. I think uh, Miseducation of Lauren Hill is like a big summer album for me mm. and Doo-Wop specifically. I saw Lauren Hill live at pitchfork a few years ago which i don't think she like it was the 20th anniversary of that album 
And she did the whole thing and it was like really incredible. It was really great. And nice. that has like cemented that as a summer album for me. Yeah. Um, it has the energy too, but just like memory of seeing that live. Doo-Wop was last and like one of the band members started hitting the like piano keys for it. And then Lauren Hill was like, wait, let me, let me say something real quick. Like she like knew people instantly recognized it and was like, I'm going to tease you for a bit. Right. <laughs> Love it. Really great performance. I also think the new album by the 1975 has like big summer vibes. Yeah, totally. I, I agree with that. Okay. Your turn, baby. Um, ooh, okay. This one's from Chase. If you were asked to come up with an even more video gamey subtitle to Returnal, what would it be? For example, <laughs> Returnal, Echoes of an Elusive Age. I'm very curious about yours because you're the one who's played it, so... Yeah, well, the, th- the thing about Returnal is that it's, like, the most roguelike title already. Like, right. Like, you couldn't get more roguelike than Returnal. <laughs> you want to know what my first thought was? Sure. Returnal there and back again. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me, right? Uh, yeah, I. The thing a is, Hobbit's tale <laughs> concerning <laughs> Returnal concerning Hobbits. That's my title. The Cimmerillion. Yeah. <laughs> we must pause the action to discuss Hobbit feet. All right, Tolkien. I'll take your word for it. The thing. The thing about my answer to this question is like I feel like the answer is Shadows Die Twice. Uh, <laughs> which like is another video game already, but it just yeah. feels so right. The space between, well, I don't know the lyrics, but <laughs> Return of the Space Between, Dave Matthews Band. The space between is actually a good answer. <laughs> That's not the way I said it. That's not even what he sounds like. I don't know what that was. We're we're an hour and a half into these. Give us a break. <laughs> Uh, Inez in Discord asks, please describe your ideal Sunday morning. Uh, thank you for this, which is kind of, it, it dips a toe in the like, uh, breakfast and, uh, dinner drink we did earlier, but I mm. think it's ideal Sunday morning. I'd like to hear it's different enough that I thought I'd include it. Yeah. I, well, what's interesting is that you and I usually record on Sunday mornings. So right. like, what, what do we do in the time before that? And usually the answer for me is, uh, in an ideal situation, what I would do is I'd get up, either make coffee and like probably make like a cool breakfast. Um, I like, I like making cool breakfasts every once in a while. Like if I, if I have the ingredients on hand, you know, if I have like a bagel or something, then I'll like make a cool breakfast sandwich and, uh, usually like play whatever game we're going to talk about a little bit before we record, um, or like watch some YouTube videos about whatever game we're going to talk about or whatever. That's usually a nice way to do it. But ideally I would love to like go to a diner. Oh Yeah. Yeah. Sunday morning diner with friends. Oh my god, it's great, especially after like a rowdy sun Saturday Slightly night. Slightly hungover. Yeah. yeah, New Jersey is the best state to be hungover in. That's like really the best yeah. way. Like, it's got more going on just than just that. But like, if you're hungover, New Jersey is the place to go to. To be honest, <laughs> yeah. Similar for me. I mean, I we record. New Jersey tourism spikes four hundred percent. Thanks to Stephen. <laughs> We record, we've been recording on Sundays for years. So Sunday morning is like so inherently tied to the show. So I agree. If I, if I can get up early enough to go for like a morning jog and like get breakfast, that's really all I can ask for. But yeah, independent of the show, definitely also a diner. I agree. Cool. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) This is from Alexander. Are there any games from your past that you were certain were good, but upon revisiting were complete letdowns? 
feel free to flip that into the positive games that you thought were bad and then you revisit them were actually great. Hmm. I unfortunately do have one for the former question, and it's Sonic Adventure 2 Battle. I'm so sorry. Dude, I can't believe you just said that. Okay, mine is also Sonic. Uh, I have revisited all of the Sonic Advance games recently, which I loved growing up, and I I think I've come to realize that Sonic is just not good. It's it's a, you know, I I think, okay, before... (laughs) I feel like that's like a, it's, it's a, it's, it's big. a I know strong that's big. take to say. I, I grew up with the Sega Genesis. I was like a specifically a Sega Genesis person. I played hours and hours and hours of yeah. all the Sonic games. I loved them as a kid and I am not, I have not had any fun playing them recently. I'll say this as a uh, Nintendo child and uh, who grew up with Mario. I've never really gotten into Sonic, even like the older ones, but I totally understand why like it had the impact it did at the time and like why it has such a developed yes. fandom still who like want a good game. Anyway, I the one Sonic game I did play that I like 100%ed and loved as a kid was Sonic Adventure 2 Battle, which I bought with real money on my Xbox Series S to like just maybe bring to the show one day. Like, oh, it was fun to revisit. Yeah. And it, it's just awful. Like, it's it's really bad. It's so bad that I, like, couldn't even bring it up as, like, a guilty pleasure bit. I'm like, oh, so sad. I'm actually having a dreadful time with this game. That's so uh, Which is really upsetting because I, like, I really loved it. And it, it was still fun to revisit in the sense of, like, just pure nostalgia and hearing the music and, like, the ridiculousness of it. But, like, the, the Sonic and Shadow parts are, like, kind of almost good. But the other two, like, the Eggman Tails levels are like abysmal because yeah. you hear like a beep beep whenever you target anything. Like imagine it's if you really played Sign Our yeah. Wild Hearts and whenever you did a rail shot, it went like over <laughs> everything else. <laughs> also, with I don't know if this is my TV or whatever, but the mixing of the sound is like really off in the cutscenes. Like the music will be on full blast and the voice acting will be really low. So you'll hear like. It's so it's so unsettling. Horrifying. Dude, the thing about that game, and, and you and I actually weirdly had a conversation off the show about this because <laughs> uh just the Chow Garden is like the thing that everybody like remembers and loves about that game outside yeah. of like Escape from the City, which everybody sings as a goof these days. Right. But like the Chow Garden was like actually really fun and cool and good, except for the fact that you needed to like grind through the main game to be able to like level up your Chows. And it's wild that they have not made more like Chow content. Yeah. Just make the Chow Garden its own game. Yeah. Yeah. It it should have been its own thing. Totally. It almost feels like the game has more confidence in the Chow Garden because they're like, go play the Sonic game, I guess, to get like toucans to feed your chows yes or or capsules or whatever yeah it it does it feels it feels like the opposite yeah it feels like an inverse of what the actual game is supposed to be like it feels like you should go buy chow garden right video game (laughs) right exactly (laughs) but that would that was that was very disappointing i like i and i went in prepared like this might be kind of silly but i like wanted to see how it feels and i was like kind of disturbed at just how like almost unplayable it was like it was really bad yeah uh but a game that i thought was was like rough that ended up being really fun 
Actually, I want to say Oblivion for this one, because I think you and I <laughs> revisited Oblivion, like, when doing the show, and we're, like, kind of surprised, like, for all the, like, silliness and all the glitches in Oblivion, yeah. like, it's still super fun to play. Like, it's a great time. Yeah, it's one of the reasons I'm most excited to check out Morrowind uh, when I eventually mm. do that, because, like, that's one that I, like, really have pretty low expectations for, um, and I think will probably blow me away. It's tough, but I think you'll like it. Uh, It's just like, it's the kind of thing. um, One thing I'll set you up for with Morrowind is like in in Oblivion and in Skyrim, you like choose your skills ahead of time. And Skyrim is much more like malleable to like, oh, if I just do it, I'll get better at it. But even if you like make a Nord who has like an advantage and two handed, you can be a mage and you won't have any issues. But with Morrowind, it's like you really have to know who you are ahead of time. Because your skill number is not only like how good you are at that thing, but it's also your chance to hit. So I remember I made a Nord like warrior. Yeah. But I had a dagger and I was trying to kill a rat and I was like, why is this rat not dying? I've been attacking a rat for like actually five minutes. And I realized it was because my dagger skill was like 40, which meant I had a 40% chance to even hit the rat. <laughs> so like that's what you're dealing with Morrowind. But if you okay. know that ahead of time, you'll have a great time. Okay. I would recommend making a like warrior or mage because mage, like there's like a lot of like wild shit you can do with magic in that game to like, almost break the game with. Mm. And warrior is like very straightforward. But being a thief in Morrowind is like, is like Excel levels of fun. Like you should not be a thief in Morrowind. Just a heads up. Okay. That's good to know. Cause I probably would have been a thief in Morrowind. <laughs> Although the sneaking animation is very funny. Cause they have this weird, like steamboat Willie crouch when they're sneaking around. <laughs> Look, anyway. I, I, I will say, um, just to double back because I, I said something pretty, uh, inflammatory about Sonic the Hedgehog uh, and then I didn't back it up at all but my experience revisiting the Sonic games recently has essentially consisted of me being like okay this whole thing exists for you to like go from left to right and like run really fast and like hit the jump button every once in a while and like it's fun in the boss fights and then everything in between is like fine except for when you're playing as Knuckles which is generally pretty good because it allows you to take your time a little bit more Uh, whereas like the level design is really impressive in all of those games like the ones that really work but it's impressive in that it allows you to not think and just go from left to right. And like, is that engaging gameplay? I don't really know. TBH. Um, I, I think some some of the games are better than others. Sonic Mania was a recent one that I liked a lot. But man, revisiting the Sonic Advance games, which I like really ate up and like loved uh, when I was younger. Not a fun time. And then I went back and I'm played so the sorry. Genesis ones um, just to like confirm my suspicion and like did not really hold up for me. I did. I just like didn't have a good time, really. Like I understand why at the time I loved them and I understand why at the time they were like a huge deal and like created this like really cult following these days. But just like didn't hold up for me. Really yeah. wild. I think the novelty of like going from left to right really fast is like not as evident today, you know, because yeah. that was like very impressive processing power, like in the Genesis days. And totally. Just, like, you know, I can't see what's happening. It this does just... what Nintendo don't, baby, you know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Uh, okay, let's see. Um, Do you have any more? I'm actually out. I don't have any more. I have like a ton. Okay, let's keep going then. Uh, Chaotic Grandpa and Discord. Uh, two qu- We'll do these back to back. What's the first game you remember that made you cry? And what's your summer strut? A song with a good B that you can stride out to gets the rhythm going. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 and the theme song for Kingdom Hearts 2. <laughs> no. Um. <laughs> <laughs> the Traverse Town theme and the Traverse Town theme. 
uh kingdom kingdom hearts 2 is, is my actual answer for the first game that made me cry uh it, it was like literally the end it was when it was over and i didn't have anything else to do i had like beaten everything i beat sephiroth like it was all over and then i i, I had I, I unlocked all the weapons i did the whole thing and then the credits rolled and i saw the like ending like the like secret cutscene at the end and i was like yeah that really fucked me up <laughs> that's a great uh, game yeah very emotional uh summer strut song i'm gonna have to think about it you tell me your game uh first game that made me cry was probably ocarina of time i wow. think uh i think leaving the forest the first time like the scene where link runs away from saria that messed me up mm-hmm. and my summer strut is probably something bowie i think it's under pressure uh with bowie and and freddie mercury i don't know if i would like actually strut to that but i i do associate it with like getting pumped up for summer yeah i ver- i get that here here's like a here's like a sad one like a sad boy one um but uh but but sugar by brock hampton like really works for me every time it comes on every time it comes on i'm like oh shit yeah this fucking rules uh even though it's like supposed to be a sad song i guess also that album it's my favorite brock album brock hampton album ginger it's really good but uh sometimes songs that are really upbeat musically but have rough lyrics are the best to strut to you know i totally agree also, People by the 1975 off that most recent album that's like essentially just a My Chemical Romance song. That song fucking rips. And every time it comes on, I'm like right back in high school again. <laughs> Hell yeah. Roach in Discord. What would your dream roster be for a hypothetical Smash Fighter Pass? <laughs> so I'm interpreting this question as we get like five characters for a fighter pass that have yet to be in smash. Yeah. Which is honestly a tall order given how many people are in smash right now, man. I can't believe you saved this question for this late in the game. This is like earth shattering. This question, yeah, man, this is the act one finale. <laughs> this is the one day more of the questions. I'll, you want me to do a quick one while you deal with it? Yeah. Hit, hit me with it. Uh, Hornet from hollow Knight. Hornet from hollow Knight. Cool. Honestly, there are five characters in this Fighters Pass of ours. You can do six if you want. I don't want to do five. I, I want this. I want this to be into the Aether's official Fighters Pass. This is you and oh, I okay. putting making one. Yeah, we'll make one together yeah. after we each do our. Fi- okay, that's fun. Uh, Hornet from Hollow Knight, Zagreus from Hades. Mm-hmm. Uh, here we go. Who else? Oh, uh, Mario from Super Mario <laughs> Brothers. <laughs> I think he'd be really cool because he has like the fire power. Sometimes if he gets the flower. Hornet from he Hollow jump. Knight. Okay. Zagreus from Hades. Lu- hmm. Luigi? <laughs> Were you about to say Luigi to me? <laughs> At 10.26 p.m., five beers in? It's, a, it's, a le- it's 11.30 over here. Oh, well, look at that. Sun sets. Uh, Hornet. Zagreus. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think who else. Who do I? Oh, Waluigi. Duh. Okay, two more. There aren't like... Tr- like those three I actively want. Everyone else is like nonsense. So I'm trying to think like who else could even be there. I'm going to say the twins from Monster Hunter Rise, like a ice climbers duo. Cool. The, the quest givers. Yeah. Um, Hinoa and Minoso, right? Uh-huh. Um, that could be fun. And I think Duster would be cool. Duster would from be really cool. Mother 3. Actually, I want to say Boney from Mother 3, the dog. Sure, yeah. So, so... Zagreus, Hornet, Waluigi, Walu- <laughs> Hino Emonoso, and Boney. Those are my five. Wow, that's good. Um, uh, mine are really similar, actually. I oh, think. wait, can I replace Boney? No, I'm going to replace, uh, yeah, I'm going to replace Boney with Madeline from Celeste. 
That's my that's my fifth character. Oh yeah, that, oh yeah, she'd be really fun. I wonder if they would be able to work the dash into the game. The dash be... and her turning into her like purple reflection. Yeah, self. that'd be really yeah. cool. Sorry, Boney, runner up. Uh, yeah, I, I I think I think Hornet, Zagreus, Waluigi, those three are are obvious to me. Um, I think uh, like honestly, like why not just put fucking Master Chief in there? <laughs> I knew you were gonna say Master. Did you? <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Master Chief being in Smash is a little bit like Yoda to me, where it's like getting into like nauseating levels of just like madness. Dude, I don't know. Like, I I don't really have like a a, a real uh, a connection to Master Chief. Like John and I don't go way back really emotionally, <laughs> but uh, it just feels like he should probably be in that game at this point. Okay. And uh, ooh man, the last pick for the fighters tough. Sephiroth's already in there. Well, like, what can I, know, I say? That's the thing. Like the, yeah. all the picks are so fucking weird, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> who am I supposed to pick? Really? I don't know. Uh, Sam Porter Bridges. Like, you <laughs> know, um, be fun. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know their name, but like the guy from Metal Slug. Oh, <laughs> a Metal Slug character could be really fun. Throw in another Neo Geo. Yeah. yeah. If, if, if like the projectiles were just like a constant stream of like bullet hell nightmare shit. I think would be like a really fun character to just like run around and just have like a constant stream of bullets coming out. I think another retro character could be really fun. I would be into that yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Uh, but I think our, I think the eighth or three that we feel like passionate about are Hornet, Zagreus and Waluigi. Yeah. Uh, two of which definitely won't happen. And one of which I'm still trying to manifest into the world. <laughs> uh, and here's uh, another question from Roach in Discord. How do you balance the pressure of creating content and the joy of having a hobby on the side in the face of the pandemic? I think we like weirdly touched on this already with like the conversation about like feeling guilt about games and stuff. To me, they're like quasi related, but I'd love to hear what you have to say about this. I I think pretty early on in the pandemic, my first thought was um, I'm really, really, really glad to have like an established weekly way of like communicating with my friends who Me too. I can't see anymore. Um, and like that, that was honestly the, the main driver for like continuing to do the show and like staying motivated to do the show was like, I get to hang out on Skype with my friends every week. Uh, Cause at the time during the beginning of the pandemic, we were still making no script at all. Also that was before Terrace house got canceled. Um, so like I had like two standing engagements with friends on Skype every week, which was fun. And uh, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's my answer. Yeah, I mean, honestly, doing this show every week has been like, there's no words to express how much it's helped me in this time. Again, having the ritual that's positive and yeah. like, it hasn't really been an, I don't mean this is a way of like us not putting effort into the show, but it hasn't been like a conscious decision. I just sort of like been like an ambient. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's know? so, yeah, it's so um, like habitual at this point that it doesn't even feel like I'm like going out of my way to make content or whatever anymore, right. you know? Totally. So I think with this show in particular, I, I think we're on the same page. Um, weirdly, having a hobby and I guess creating other content has been harder for me. There, I, I'm fine. I'm doing better now, but there were periods early on and like last summer where I felt like 
I'm I'm a pretty optimistic person generally. Like I don't really I, I'm usually the one who tries to cheer other people up or who like thinks like long term like Picard optimism about stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there were times this year where I felt like truly hopeless. Like for the first time in my life, I don't feel that way anymore. But there were periods of time where I just felt like so overcome with despair. Like what was happening in the world? Like. Choose one thing. It just felt like everything was like falling apart. Yeah. Some months. And in those periods of time, it was really hard for me to even like relax and have fun. So it's been tough. I mean, this has been a a year long traumatizing global event for everyone. So like, I think everyone has dealt with it in a different way and everyone's going to come out of it in a different way. And the best thing we can do is be honest with ourselves and and be open and try to make ourselves happy and help other people. And I mean, this is getting kind of broad, but I just think like weirdly the part of this question that has like opened more doors in my head is like, uh, it's been harder to relax in the pandemic than it is to like do things weirdly, like having a ritual of like, I'm going to make this is easier than like, I'm going to watch TV. Cause like, yeah, that's where your mind can wander and become very existential about stuff. Yeah. I, I think it's, yeah, I, weirdly enough, video games have become the go-to form of entertainment for me. Uh, I guess not weirdly. It doesn't, that doesn't sound weird coming from me while I'm hosting (laughs) this fucking podcast, but right. (laughs) But like that used to not be the case. I used to be a person who watched a lot of TV and movies all the time and like read a lot of books and stuff. Um, and that really stopped being the case during the pandemic because, uh, video games are so like engaging and active that like, it doesn't really give you room to think about the other stuff that's happening for exactly all the reasons that you just described. Cause I mean, yeah, it, rough really rough uh year for everyone yeah yeah i want to move on to the next question i have some here i wrote down that are kind of similar to old ones so i might skip those but here's one that will pick up the mood a bit uh mima sweets and discord asks do you have pets pet stories oh yeah i uh, well technically not me my parents have two cats doc and marty um who are great i lived at home for a little bit when they got them uh so i they feel like my cats still uh and they're really great they're just like really beautiful cats i i I love them dearly um and then here in the apartment we have a leopard gecko named zuko who uh always has like a big dreamworks smile on his face uh and has (laughs) absolutely no thoughts at all going through his tiny lizard brain uh just like himbo season 24 7 in Zuko's oh, cage, yeah. which is great. He's fun. He's so fun to have around. Big Zuko fan. Yeah. My house was the Hey Arnold opening the door and like a bunch of pigs and dogs <laughs> running out. Yeah. Growing up, I had a total of eight cats, a dog, five fish, a tortoise, and a frog. And now we have another. So uh, at my mom's house growing up, we had a beagle named Lila and uh, Sheba Abby, Maxwell, Dickens, Cleo, Oliver, Sebastian, and Peppy were all our cats. Currently, the only survivor is Oliver. I don't know why I say it like that. Uh, Oliver is 20 years old and is an orange cat with three legs. He's the best. He can open doors. Uh, He's a wonderful cat. And we have a new dog that we, my mom rescued. uh, I'm saying we because this is like our family pet. But my mom rescued a dog in 2018, Gracie, who is a uh, lab pit bull mix, who is just the best. Um, Unbelievable dog. Yeah. She's got like a very stoic, like Victorian family photo experience 
expression on at all times. <laughs> and uh, she's wonderful. I do really want to get a pet here in Chicago, but the current apartment I'm in is like not spacious enough to like be great for either a cat or a dog. And I, so I'm kind of waiting for the next place to get one pet. I think yeah. I might get a dog just because like uh, I, I worry about like all the like electrical equipment I have with a cat because I know they like <laughs> chewing on stuff. And I would also like the ritual of like going for walks and stuff with the dog. So, but I do love cats. I'm a big animal person. If you yeah. Can tell. Uh, at my dad's house, we had my tortoise named Chicago who only recently passed away. He was great. We named him before I moved here. It wasn't that vain. And we also had five cichlids. Lane, Blaine, Clane, and Beauregard. No, four. Beauregard was a catfish, and Lane, Blaine, and Clane were cichlids. And whenever my dad tried to get a new fish, they would all eat the new fish. So <laughs> they were like set on the tank being theirs. Those are all my pets. I'm done with pet stories. Wow. All right, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that was fun to listen to. <laughs> it was great. GJ and Discord. Many people have considered the idea that after Ultimate, Smash Bros. should get rebooted, maybe change genres from platform fighter. If you could choose what direction the Smash Bros. series will head in, assuming Sakurai retires or moves on to other games, what would you choose? 3D Fighter, Battle Royale, Hero Shooter, Smash Bros. Snap, something else. I weirdly think that Mario Kart is already kind of positioning itself in this space, because... Uh, mm. The characters from Animal Crossing and uh, and Link have already shown up in there. Um, it just feels like they're kind of getting ready to turn that into like a Smash Brothers adjacent thing. But Mario Kart, which like I love the idea of. I think that that's great. Yeah, just just turn Mario Kart into Smash Brothers if Smash Brothers is not going to exist anymore. That's a great idea. And uh, that's actually the last question I have because the rest I have written here are ones we've already done. So okay. the rest were our wow. overlap. So we did it. I would also I would also say I would love to see uh, a, a life sim. <laughs> you just want Metopia, but with the Smash roster. Yeah, I want to see what they all do after Super Smash Brothers is over. They're like, okay, mm. we all beat the shit out of each other for like literally over a decade at this point. Let's like fucking chill, man. Let's hang out. Yeah, just like the social stuff of Persona, but with the Smash roster. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That could be fun. I want to see like the burgeoning friendship between like peach and link you know like i want to see like right. i want to see these characters like hang out i want to see what they're up to reality show i would love to see a reality show with all the characters from super smash brothers and they all live in the same house cats and falcon and crom just yeah being bros yeah it's <laughs> a good idea yeah um so yeah that is the end of the questions we wrote down uh thank you all who asked them i hope you enjoyed we had a pretty wide range of uh like emotions here it was it was a fun experience yeah that was really good i would love to do that again sometime uh we'll, we'll wait another three years before we ask again <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, that's a, that's this is a three-year process i think <laughs> um but that's it do you i guess do you want to wrap up it's weird to segue like right into the outro after all that <laughs> yeah I, I guess we should i guess that's, that's it. all we got yeah we're done yeah it's we're late. So, we're so cosmically tied to Sunday morning. This is like totally like a turtle out of its shell right now. Yeah, totally. Um, hey, thank you so much to everybody who uh, sent us in a question. Um, we got a lot of those questions via our Twitter and Discord. 
You can find us at twitter.com slash into the cast. Uh, and if you go to into the cast.online, you can find a link to join the discord, which is filled with a, a bunch of really nice and wonderful people. Um, I, I spend pretty much every day in the discord, hanging out with people. Fun. Don't tell my boss. And uh, I <laughs> uh, also would like to mention that we have a Patreon. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash into the cast and join there. As we mention every week, if backing the Patreon in any way puts you in uh, any kind of financial strain, please do not back the show. Totally cool. If you need to cancel your pledge for any reason, also totally cool. Don't don't worry about it at all. Uh, but that said, whenever we uh, do a bonus episode, that is thanks to you, our dear patrons. And every once in a while, it also allows us to like do more stuff, like get more equipment um, so we can like stream more uh, or like replace our audio equipment or you know xyz thing uh pay aj to edit the bonus episodes so stuff like that but uh yeah what else anything else that's it you said into the cast online that's got all our stuff baby uh, i know you're planning on doing some more returnal videos right I want to do some more returnal videos. Yeah, I'm probably I, I've been kind of like recording uh, one run a day just about. I don't know if I'm going to keep up that 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 cadence at the moment because I'm going away for the weekend. So we'll see. But uh, maybe next week I'll, I'll get back into it. I, I'm still going to be playing a whole lot of it. Also, considering uh, they announced Judgment 2 today, I'm, I'm considering mm. playing Judgment on, uh, yeah. on stream oh, yeah. or on our YouTube or something. I haven't really decided yet. I did stream a couple Judgment videos like really early on in the show like really 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 early on um i would like come yeah, home from yeah. work at like 10 p.m and then like stream judgment for like an hour or two before bed which was like a really weird fun ritual to have but uh yeah i i want to finish that game before the second one comes out so i might i might record that we'll see that's a good idea i'm wrapping up or trying to wrap up my uh pokemon nuzlocke run in emerald which has been a really fun experience um so that will be continuing i wanted to initially uh finish that before the mass effect remasters came out but what i learned is a don't stream something that could be very emotionally devastating <laughs> in the morning <laughs> i tried to do like an early morning nuzlocke run I'm like this is a bad idea uh um but, so that will continue probably alongside mass effect is what i want to do with mass effect is i want to stream uh my time with those games so the goal right now is to do the whole trilogy over time i hope i can do that i'm not going to commit to it right now but at the very least i will be streaming like yeah my time with the first one and go from there that's um, a huge but, undertaking yeah but i can do it there was a day in college where i just like stayed in my room and did the whole trilogy like in a weird <laughs> amount of time so i can time do that warped again. around you yeah i time warp yeah I, uh, we can do the time warp to do the whole trilogy so Either way, I'll be I'll be sharing that experience in some capacity. But yeah, it'd be cool because it's like a very decision based game. I think it'd be fun to stream with people. So yeah, that's on the horizon. Zero dawn. All right. Um, <laughs> God, that sucked. I'm so sorry. It's so late. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye, Good everyone. Night. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, really, yeah, it really you. means a lot. Um, my name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. You found me at Stephen Hilger. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Yes. Goodbye. Bye bye.